And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in Northwest Pennsylvania, where we, uh, where that's not good, where we uh, broadcast live each and every weekday from seven to ten p.m. Eastern time. Are, are we online with anyone, or uh, are we just, uh, are, we, are we up for anyone? Well, it's all right. I'm gonna just keep going, folks. Whoever might hear me, whoever might hear me. All right. We have a little little uh, computer issue here. That's okay, though. We're just going to keep right on rolling. I want to welcome everyone to a uh, uh, to this program. I'm going to be here for the first two hours. Joe's going to take the third hour. Third hour, Sandale from Sandale.com. Second hour, Leo Holman, who's a news editor for WorldNet Daily. He's been a reporter and editor at several uh, suburban newspapers in Atlanta and Charlotte, North Carolina. He, he wrote a, his book's coming out uh, next week, actually, Stealth, Invasion, Muslim Conquest for Immigration and Resettlement and Jihad. You can read more about that at WorldNet Daily. Uh, as well, he's a World Net Daily author. I, I'm just so excited to to have him. Uh, we are so excited to have him come on, and um, it's interesting how that works. Uh, yeah, and folks, if way. you want, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little distracted because because of this, we're down. Go ahead. If you want more information on on Leo Holman? Go to HagmanReport.com. Check out the article John did: Stealth Invasion, uh, Muslim Conquest, and in there, there's links to. Uh, Leo Holman's latest articles, Obamacare, have one last surprise for Jewish state, as well as stealth invasion and Muslim conquest through immigration and resettlement no, no, jihad. No. Those no. links are right there at HagmanReport.com. Yeah, and, and you know, it's so we have a lot to talk about. So, hour one, we're going to be uh, dealing with news information analysis. Hour two is going to be Leo Holman. Hour three will be, uh, I see that, thank you. And hour three will uh, um, we'll be Stan Dale and Joe. Uh, I've got to run off for uh, Manny Petty. Wait, isn't that? Oh, I'm a metro. Uh, no, I'm confused. No, that's I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so no, a lot to get into tonight. A couple of uh, a couple of things first before we get rocking and rolling. Want to welcome a brand new sponsor, folks. If you've never heard of this company and you're a business owner, whether you're a small, medium, large business, whatever, if you own a business. You take care of human resources, uh, you know, personnel. You take the, if you run a business or if you manage one, um, if you're responsible for human resources or records or paperwork, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to pay attention. BambooHR.com, BambooHR.com. It's an online resource, online records uh, software uh, company. It's a fantastic company. If you run a small business or manage one, check out BambooHR.com, and when you do so. Uh, make sure you enter HH or promo code HH to get a free 14-day trial of this. This is a fantastic uh, on- online software, human resources software. Uh, uh, well, it's a software platform that actually t- takes care of all of your human resources, all of your personnel issues. It, it, it's a complete human resource management software for small to medium-sized businesses. It's got one simple central system for 
keeping organized and detailing records for every employee. That's bamboohr.com. Visit bamboohr.com and click on the mic and enter our code HH to get a free 14-day trial. Uh, welcome aboard, bamboohr.com. Welcome aboard. Man, that's great. And I also want to welcome, too, I mentioned this yesterday, welcome aboard Indochino. I love this company. I really do. Indochino, let me tell you something. They have made-to-order suits for guys, shirts, pants. Oh, it's one of the largest made-to-measure menswear brands. Welcome aboard Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Dot com, And use our promo code HH for any premium suit for just $389 in free shipping. So that's uh, that's something as well. So those two sponsors, fantastic sponsors, by the way. But, you know, uh, oh, folks, uh, we were – check out our YouTube channel. I, I did a video today. It's just under – it's about 20-some minutes. It's got information in there about um, the inauguration. Now, we're going to be covering the inauguration on the 20th, on Friday, from 11 to 2 o'clock. Please tune in. Let other people know that we're going to be carrying the inauguration live. 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time, until 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday. That's the inauguration. Because uh, this is historic, obviously. And there's a lot of things that are taking place. And about that, you know, the I was looking at this, and, and, and Joe... There's 1.9 miles of parade route. There's a 2.5 mile perimeter around this area. They're expecting close to a million people there. Uh, Missouri GOP Senator Roy Blunt, the chairman of the Joint Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies, that's according to, to, to him, expecting about a million people. But, but he also confirmed, as well as the intelligence agencies and security confirmed, that there will be in total about 35,000 police and security officials among the crowd of anywhere between 900,000 to a million people. Uh, there will be the 8,000 National Guard troops, 3,200 or so police officers from various uh, states. The Secret Service is taking the lead on the security on this. The National Park Service has issued to date 25 permits, which is five times the average, um, which would they typically see. The There's 99 at the moment, 99 various events or slash protests that are planned, and... Uh, that's that, that. Those are just some fast facts. Oh, and beginning 4 o'clock Thursday morning, a number of sites will be closed, such as the Washington Monument, the, the Korean Vietnam World War II memorials and such. So you're going to have to check with the Park Service. If you are going, you should know this. If you're going to see the sites while you're there, from 4 o'clock Thursday morning to, I think, 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. Thursday night, they're going to be closed. They're going to be closed during some of the uh, portions on Friday. So check the schedules of each site if you are going. And if you are going, know that uh, there there are uh, numerous uh, numerous protests that are, that are planned. And I go over the protests in my video. If you go if you go to uh, HagmanReport.com or, or, or websites HagmanReport.com or HagmanHagman.com. Click on the link to our YouTube channel. I'm going to put this up on Hagman Report later tonight. But it's it gets into everyone 
each one of the people who are involved in the uh, each one of the organizations who are involved in the attempt attempted disruption of this. Okay, now um, you've got a multitude of these these Marxist, Leninist, progressive, moonbat organizations that are involved in these in these uh, uh, planned demonstrations. But it's more than that. It's destructions. Now, I told you the video before last to look at the long game, the big picture, and that's what I think we need to do. Regardless, though, we, we can't take, we, we have to watch both. The bigger picture, absolutely, because they want to, they want to marginalize Trump. And you saw Maxine Waters today spouting her yesterday, I guess it was, uh, you know, mouthing off about, uh, Obama's legitimacy. I have no words. Okay? Obama's or Trump's? Or Trump's legitimacy. I'm, I'm still thinking Obama, his legitimacy. You talk about an illegitimate president. Obama is certainly one, given the fact that his own uh, uh, the document on the White House website proven by law enforcement nine points of forgery. So uh, that said, Maxine Waters flopping her useless gums out about uh, about uh, Trump's legitimacy and wants to start impeachment proceedings the first second of the first day that he's in office. And Chris Matthews drooling all over in that interview. I don't know whether you saw that interview or not, but. Uh, um, the spittle was running wild there out of out of Chris Matthews as he was talking to Maxine Waters about this and uh, about uh, Trump and Maxine Waters saying, "Well, you know, of course she's not going." And how dare these people not go um, to the inauguration? I, I guess it's their right. I guess it's their right not to go. You've got thirty, almost thirty-five and counting. Democratic, progressive, Marxist, Leninist lawmakers. Yeah, I think it was up to 50. 50? Uh, okay. Yeah, count it, it, you know, so, okay, this is how you're going to play ball, right? This is how, so, so you're showing your true colors, I believe. This is, now I'm going I'm to give an opening statement, then I'm going to kick it over to Joe. But here's, here's the situation. You have Project Veritas, and I get into the, in, into this, and please, folks, go to YouTube, my, our YouTube channel, and uh, the video I did, please share it. Share it with people, because they're playing, the, they're suppressing the numbers. Um, share it with people so people know that it's there. Uh, also, the information, I think, is pretty, is pretty doggone good. But, but you've got these, these uh, Congress people who are in, engaged in this slanderous campaign against Trump, in my view. And I don't care if you don't like Trump or if you like Trump. I, I don't care. Let's go on the facts. You know, in 2008, we had facts. We didn't have opinions. We didn't have suppositions. We didn't have these these falsities from the fake news organizations, meaning the corporate media, about Obama's legitimacy. No, we had actual investigative journalists who went out there, as independent researchers and journalists, who went out there and, and dug into the background of Barack Hussein Obama II, who actually never changed his name from Barry Satoro. So you want to talk about illegitimate presidents. That's where you should start. Not treat him some, like some sort of metrosexual rock star, in my view. And, and Michelle, Michael, Obama. All right. And, and so there's so much more that we don't know. And think about this. You, you take, you take the 70 years 
that Trump has been alive and compare it to the years that Barack Hussein Obama has been alive. How many names has Donald Trump had? How many names has Barry Satoro, Barack Hussein Obama had? How many socials? How many, um, or lack of the socials? How many birth certificates, long forms, has Obama had versus, versus Donald Trump? So you want to, you want to question the legitimacy of the man to the office. You do it with facts, not innuendo. And see, that's a, that's a problem today, folks. A lot of people operate off of innuendo, off of facts. They think they know the true story about something, and they are clueless. So they build on a foundation of erroneous assumptions, as Maxine Waters and these other moonbats, Marxist moonbats, are doing. But see, it's worse. Because if you go back to the 1950s, and you go back into the findings of Joe McCarthy, all right, and, and the and the House Un-American Activities Commission, two separate things. McCarthy was a senator. House Un-American uh, Activities Com- Committee was something totally different. But the findings were the same, where you have communist infiltration into our government. A lot of this stems back post-World War II communist infiltration. The people who want to disrupt, the low-level disruptors, and just understand this, the, the low-level disruptors at the inauguration, the, uh, the crazy, uh, the, really the, the, the insane um, people that you saw in the Project Veritas video, in my view, and, and just just to be clear, these are my opinions. I want to I want I want to be perfectly clear. Okay, these are my opinions. So I, I'm still allowed to make uh, to to give my opinions. I believe. All right. <clears throat> so you have Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, presenting recordings of individuals who want to use butyric acid to disrupt the deplorable ball, deplorables ball, National Press uh, Club on the night before the, the inauguration. They think it's funny. Well, who are these, who are these idiots? Who are these, the, the, these people? They're members of Disrupt J20. The group Disrupt J20 is an umbrella organization. This is the group that, that uh, Jabba the Hutt's ugly cousin, Michael Moore, had... Uh, had promoted. They're the umbrella organization for or, for groups like America's Americans Take Action, for Workers World Party, for Answer, which is the acronym for Act Now to Stop War and, and Racism Coalition. They're the umbrella group for Progress Unity Fund, for DC Anti-Fascist Coalition, for RefuseFascism.org. Now, if you look at if you look at these. Uh, organizations. They're all Marxist, Leninist, Communist. And in amongst these people, of course, you've got Robert Creamer, who's the husband of Jan Schakowsky, the representative from Illinois, who, as I pointed out in my video, was accused uh, with, with being blackmailed, having, of course, she is allegedly based on information from Sybil, Sybil Edmonds and others, allegedly uh, bisexual. 
married to Robert Creamer. And Robert Creamer is the guy that, well, you know Robert Creamer. He's the community organizer, the author. Um, he's the American political consultant. He was, uh, uh, he was featured in one of, uh, uh, Project Veritas's films, but he's married to Jan Schukowski, the, the congressional representative for Illinois' 9th district, congressional district. He, his firm, Democracy Partners, works with issue campaigns, work with the Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton campaign, and of course, he also leads the nonprofit group Americans United for Change. In 2005, and I point this out in the video, Creamer was, uh, he pleaded guilty to tax violations and uh, $2.3 million in bank frauds. What he was doing is writing checks he couldn't cash, basically. That's the, that's the deal. Back in the 90s, he served five months in, at Terre Haute in, in prison and 11 months house arrest. You know, he wore the ankle, ankle bracelet, Commonwealth jewelry. He resigned, um, uh, from his consulting position with the DNC last, what, in October of 2016, after that video from Project Veritas was released, which showed him discussing a scheme to pay people to incite violence at rallies at Republican, at, uh, Donald, uh, at the rallies for Republican presidential Donald, uh, candidate Donald Trump. So th- these are, these are class A people. Other, other people, Lacey McCauley. Wait until you hear this real quick. Lacey McCauley. In, in, remember that Project Veritas video? Have you seen that? If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. Well, in her position as the head of uh, Disrupted J20, did you, did you read this? Did you see this? And I go through this in the video. Um, well, first of all, let me tell you a little bit about Lacey. You see, Lacey McCauley, she's this media activist. She's got a passion for amplifying voices of those working for a better world. Do, do I have to go on? No, I'm not going to go on. You see, she's got a B.A. in international relations. Actually, she's got a B.S. in international relations, or should have a B.S. She's nothing but B.S., in my view, for international relations, for relations of any kind. All right? She worked for uh, IPS, for the Institute for Policy Studies. Go figure. Huh. Seems like a lot of dot, or a lot of webs connected to the IPS. And worked for the PR for Massey and Massey uh, Media, by the way, as a single contractor. As opposed to what a multi personality contractor, I'm not sure. Anyway, but in, in response to that Project Veritas video, folks, you got you got you got to read, you got to hear this. this. This is their this is their story. I, I read this, and, and I go through it again. Go to uh, our YouTube channel, check the video out, and I, I I really chuckled because I've heard better, I've heard a lot better excuses. Uh, from more stupid criminals, I suspect, than, than her. But uh, I'm not going to give you the fluffies here where King, you know, she, she's uh, attempting to carry forward the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. What a bunch of hooey that is. Um, but here, here's her excuse for that video. Are you ready? <clears throat> Over the last few weeks, we've exposed four confirmed infiltrators who tried to in- integrate themselves into our organizing. And, you know, I'm not going to even read this verbatim. The bottom line is this. She tricked these guys. She tricked them. She identified them. They were so smart. They knew they were infiltrators, so she made sure that they were tricked. And that whole thing that you saw with Project Veritas, oh, that was a joke. They knew they were being set up, so they decided just to talk about this. That's yeah. the story. That's what uh, we talked about last night as um, some stories came out. Similar to what they're saying, that they knew they were being set right. up, so they played with the guy. That's why they set the meeting at the Comet 
ping pong or whatever. And um, but interestingly enough, I mentioned this just briefly yesterday. One of the the guys in the video, Luke Kuhn, is um, there's some interesting information out there. He made a number of online posts advocating for the legalization of pedophilia. Back in the 90s, he was um, part of the Utopian Anarchist Party, and he has been identified in other online postings as having linked to international child pornography and child exploration. Uh, in a post on June 19, 1998, Mr. Kuhn made a uh, post on an anarchism, anarchism website where he advocated for um, teenage sex, as well as uh, in 1998, June 12, he made several posts about in a discussion about adult child sex advocates. Hey. He even got called out by somebody in his organization That's saying, hey, your your buddy Luke is prowling Kitty Hawk, Kitty Porn scene on the Internet while advertising your group's name in the process. Why is this? This was... Um, because he's a pervert, in my in re- view. In uh, relation to the adult child sex advocates uh, right. posting that he made. And That's they, right. it goes even further saying, uh, you know... Um, this is pretty firm evidence of the predilection towards pedophilia by the UAP. Can you deny the child porn pedophilia connection without asking Luke? Or is this ludicrous claim that Lukey Boy Predator was just doing UAP missionary work? Um, okay, so, you see, and, and isn't it kind of humorous then that this Lacey would set him up at Comet Ping Pong? You know the reputation, Comet or Pizza, Comet Pizza Ping Pong, whatever it is. Yeah. Comet, ping pong, pizza—it doesn't matter. But, but you know the reputation. So, Luke probably chose that location, in my view, perhaps ostensibly, allegedly, reportedly. Do I have to have any more adjectives in there? All right. Um, but but okay. But 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 see, this Lacey McCauley, okay, and, and she, she ain't got no friends on Facebook. I, I get into that. Right, she, she what? You got no friends, Lacey? Two hundred and three friends on Facebook. I think as a community activist and such, you'd have more friends than that. But so, okay, so you got you got just to make sure here. I just real real quick because I, I did want to name these 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 morons. You got Robert Creamer, you got Lacey McCauley, you got Lauren McLaren, you got Scott Green, Colin Dunn, and Luke Coon. Luke Coon and Colin Dunn are the two uh, uh, yo-yos pictured in Project Veritas video behind. You know, talking about oh putting the butyric acid at, at uh, you know just having a field day there of course they knew they were being videotaped that's that's their story and they're sticking to it what a bunch of crap scott green of course was there and then of course running interference because they don't have the cojones they don't have the the the, the uh, you know what i'm talking about uh so they have to give them to lacy and lauren there's the lacy lauren i guess they keep them in their purses um Anyway, Lacey and Lauren run interference for these these three people, and that's under the um, the under the uh, auspices of Disrupt J20. But see, these are anarchist anarchist groups, Joe. These are these are people, that, but they're being paid, and you can get into this on the other side because they're being paid for by individuals with money to burn. And this is was on Drudge, and and this is this is not fake news. Twenty five hundred a month plus fifty dollars a day per uh, per hour or per hour per event plus health and dental and right. all that good stuff. And, and this is verified. If it's if it's a ruse, then it certainly <laughs> is a hugely elaborate one because it was on twenty four different sites via the. Uh, 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 online sites. Okay, I'm trying to remember backpage.com, the the facility or the the vehicle that they use. So the bottom line is, 
the the money behind this is incredible. So we have been infiltrated and taken over by the Marxist Leninist Looney Tunes that are these people from Creamer to Macaulay to the uh, to Luke with the predilection toward the uh, toward the little little children, mm-hmm. okay, and Colin Dunn, these despicable human beings, and of course Michael Moore, Jabba the Hutt's ugly cousin, or actually better looking cousin, uh, uh, Jabba no, Jabba the Hutt's ugly cousin to be more accurate, and of course you know you've got uh, the mouthpieces such as Rosie O'Donnell, she'd be ashamed of herself, uh, who uh, looks like the uh, twin of. Uh, of both, or the illegitimate offspring of, of Michael Moore and uh, Jabba the Hutt. So having said that, uh, and is about as confused as uh, Chelsea or Bradley Manning, who, by the way, is going to receive a commutation of, of her, her, his, its sentence uh, from, uh, from prison, because, well, that's just what Obama does. Yeah. Um, and we got uh, a number of... Um, Stories to to go from the inauguration uh, and what you just talked about to some economic news as well as some interesting fake news. And I guess we'll we'll start with the fake news as CNN and ABC have been caught doctoring polls of Trump's approval rating. And uh, this article says fake polls. How can CNN or how CNN and ABC are fudging the numbers to tank Trump's favorability? Uh, many people have seen the articles the last few days about uh, media saying Trump has the lowest approval rating of any incoming president, but the numbers are being given by the same organizations that all had the polls of Hillary Clinton winning the election by wide margins, um, as those were doctored too. These are also being uh, doctored by oversampling Democrats and undersampling Republicans, and then putting the numbers out there as though it was a um, evenly uh, done poll, but yep. the favorability rating they're saying with Trump is only 40 to 43 percent, and um, that number is definitely skewed due to the way that they are gathering the data and it's being done intentionally. So we're going to keep our eye on that. When we come back, we got more news, followed by Leo Holman after Can't wait for the that. next break. Yep. second segment in this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. Uh, just to let people know, we are, had to reboot our video stream and we are um, getting that cleared away as we continue to cover news this segment, followed by World Net Daily News Editor Leo Holman in the next hour. That. Yeah, that's going to be a great day. Leo Holman is a talented author and his book is just a, a book coming out on the 24th. is a great book. Before we get move on, let me tell you about Indochino. I've, I, this is, I've found my favorite place to buy suits, shirts, pants, anything, menswear, dress. This is the place to go. This is, uh, this is my go-to place now. 
this, folks, you've got to go to Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com, and use our promo code HH. Look, look, if you guys and ladies with guys, let me just talk to you real quick for a second. Have you ever gone into buy a suit, even if it's uh, even where they offer tailoring? First of all, if you try to get a suit off the racket, it just never fits right. And then the tailoring, eh, yeah, you know, whatever. And sometimes the material isn't quite right. Well, Indochino has the answers for you. This is the only place I will be going for from now on for my suits. I tried them. I like them. This is the best of the best. They measure. These are made-to-measure suits, and they fit so much better. You can tell. And there's nothing, nothing worse than a bad-fitting suit. And ordering from Indochino is so easy. You can go into a showroom if you're near one or watch on an online video at Indochino.com. Take your measurements properly, input them into the uh, your profile, and voila. You can order shirts and pants and suits. And every guy looks better in a suit. That's my view anyway. It's one of the Indochino. It's one of the... the the largest made-to-measure menswear brands on the planet. You get a high-quality suit made to your exact measurements for a perfect fit. You also get to customize your suit just the way you want it. If you want, let's say, if you want a, a striped, shall we say striped look, see, a striped um, inter- inside lining, here it is, striped inside lining. Oh, there it is. Or if you want little duckies in there, you can do that too in the lining of your, of your spusuka. All you do, again, is visit the showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. You pick from hundreds of fabrics. You can choose your customizations from lapels to pleats to jacket linings and more. Submit your body measurements, place your order, and wait to wait for it to arrive within four weeks. This week, and this is the greatest part, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 at Indochino.com when entering HH at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price, especially for you for made-to-measure premium suits. That's And the shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code HH for any premium suit, just $389 and free shipping. What an incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything you've ever had before in any off-the-rack suit that you've ever, ever had. All right, back to some inauguration news. There's an interesting write-up on Breitbart today uh, titled, The Inaugural Riders Urged to Go Hard and Only Chance to Rove the City Under Protocol of the Obama Era. This article gets into a uh, Breitbart News identified a group connected to the Disrupt J20 events, and the, it's titled 10 Reasons to Go Hard on January 20th makes the case for anarchists, socialists, and communists from across the country uh, to why it would be worth it to go across the country driving to a city crowded with reactionaries and police saying that during the inauguration, D.C. police will have their hands full. And it tells a web of American-hating, anti-capitalist activists that January 20th inauguration is our only chance to fight Trump under the laws and police protocols of the Obama era. The article lays out the overall plan of gathering groups to rove the city and set up blockades at the checkpoints around the parade route, as well as shutting down Washington, D.C.'s transportation infrastructure. Uh, I think this article is important because it does lay out what some of the uh, lesser headlines of the Disrupt J-20 movement 
talks about, which is this uh, push to set up protesters and blockades that deal with the, the transportation infrastructure from the roads to the trains to the buses. As uh, talking with a few people earlier, um, there's been some changes to the inauguration. One, I read that Trump was going to be sworn in inside. And this is what they want. They come right out and said, and even this, the, yes. the, the despicables, if we're, de- we're, if we're de- deplorables, they're despicables. This is exactly what they want. They want, uh, they want, uh, um, Trump to be inside during the swearing in ceremony. I wouldn't give them that satisfaction. I mean, seriously. And you know, okay, so you've got, right now, you've got a hundred Marxist organizations, upwards of a hundred. But they're, they're small, they're disparate, but, but the handful of, of those groups that are behind this. And, of course, Joe, you were talking about the demand protest ads earlier. Yeah, Washington uh, Times ran an article right. today. Ads in two dozen cities offer protesters up to $2,500 to agitate at Trump inaugural. Demand protest ads running seek operatives to send a strong message at presidential inauguration. And apparently there's ads running in more than 20 cities offering $2,500 a month for agitators to demonstrate starting at this week's presidential inauguration so, events. So this is what we didn't do with Obama. All right, why don't we do this? Why don't we show these individuals the same love and tolerance that they're showing us? That's my idea. Let's fight them with fire, fire with fire. You 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 want to make trouble? Okay. You come to the right place. Let's rock. Let's get it on. Listen listen to this. The job offers a monthly retainer of $2,500. That's right. Plus the standard per event pay of $50 an hour, as long as you participate in at least six events a year, as well as health, vision, and dental insurance for full-time operatives. During the 2016 presidential campaign, Donald Trump did complain about paid activists, both before and after uh, his run for president, and people um, are not... Admitting to what what's going on, um, well, see, but there's, yeah. they say there's no, there's simply no credible credible evidence that the opposition to Trump is spurred by anything other than legitimate concern about what his presidency might entail. No, no, no. And these are not organic protests, as you no. can see. These are these are paid for protests by people like Soros and for the globalists. And Hillary Clinton does not have her hands clean. Bill Clinton, neither does Bill Clinton or any of the people associated with the Clintons, I would say, have their hands clean in this. And I would throw in some Sanders groups as well, Bernie Sanders groups, people associated with them, when you look at this. Now, if some people will come out, and I guarantee in the next couple of days, you're going to say, you're going to see where demand protest, all oh, those ads, those were fake ads. We, we, mm-hmm. we went through it. Let me tell you something. You can, the, the ads were too elaborate for being fake. However, I would say this. I'm not certain about the dollar amounts nor the benefits. I would say that, uh, I'm sure at some point you are promised that, but not at the grassroots level. So if you think that suddenly you're going to back into a $2,500 a month position and a $50 an hour job with benefits it just by grassroots organizing, I think that's a little bit, a little bit too much. I think it's, it's I, I don't well, believe that. Say for These are super um, Right. So, yeah, and, and the website... Um, there is, even in this Washington Times article, uh, back and forth, they say um, if the dem- demand protest ads are ruses, someone has gone to a great deal of trouble to sell the scam. 
Yep, classified ads are running in at least two dozen cities, including L.A., New York, Chicago, <laughs> Dallas, and Houston. And the company operates a slick website that includes contact information, which goes back to a phone number in San Francisco listed on the website with a voicemail message identifying the company by name, but a comment, a request for a comment on Monday was not returned. And the website says the company has provided 1,800-plus operatives for 48 campaigns, promises deniability, assuring clients that we can ensure that all actions will appear genuine to media and public right. observers. It's, it's, but, but see... So and, there, there's, um, these are the same groups, by the way, that will infiltrate the campuses because one of the biggest recruiting grounds are college campuses. They will infiltrate it to shout down people like Malo and other people or anybody. Uh, in, in fact, uh, uh, Jack Cashel and others who bring the truth to campuses. You can't speak on campuses anymore because of these groups and people that are funding these groups. This is not going to end. This didn't start with the Trump campaign, and it certainly is not going to end with the Trump campaign. In no way, no how. This is ingrained in our society. These these groups are 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 these groups are uh, uh, really filled in positions by uh, metrosexuals, by lesbians, by homosexuals. That's right. I'm saying this. You have to understand by the outcasts of society, by the people who congregate together. Because when you look at the structure. When you look at the boards, you look at these staffs of these groups, one by one by one, the Workers' World Party, the Answer, Progress Unity Fund, that's all you find, these transgendered activists, these people, and you mentioned earlier, like Luke Kuhn, who apparently has this alleged predisposition for young children. Yeah, I don't think it's alleged at this point. Uh, well, we should different. use the word alleged because, you know, the guy's name was all over those those posts, and they were directly linked back to him over a, a number of years uh, as he worked in different organizations uh, among activist groups on the left. Yeah, if this doesn't make you mad, Joe, well, yeah, well, no, folks, think if about this it. doesn't make you angry, then you're not paying attention because we've been hijacked from within. And if it's not these Marxist-Leninist progressive uh, pigs, it is the Islamists who are coming in, and Leo Holman is going to talk about that. And if it's not the Islamists, it's the homosexual activists that make like 0.5% of the population who are perverse, you know, the perverse type of, of, uh, of the most perverse of the perverse. So you've got all of these groups, these, these, and what's worse is the, of society. The funding that goes behind the left and their political actions, I think is astronomical compared to the organization and funding that goes into, uh, right wing causes. And you don't see the level of, of activism. Um, these people have been delusional in years past. And, and the activists to an extent, and then you have the money backers, and we see, uh, you know, these non-governmental organizations and other ways that they funnel money by the millions and hundreds of millions in some cases to these different groups to stir up chaos, to stir up trouble. We've seen it. I mean, they have the organization, at least at the top, uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement and the money that was funneled into them, where they don't have a headquarters, they don't have the organization, they don't have, you know, charters in different towns. They just have loose bits of, of people who who identify with being a Black Lives Matter activist. But this is a much more coordinated effort uh, backed by the, the left's money, from Soros to Bill Gates. Uh, they have no problem dishing out millions of dollars to uh, causes that they see will advance their agenda and, and, and you, the chaos. And you would be surprised at the people who are involved in this, people that you would never, ever think 
that are involved in trolling and and just uh, attempting to stir up and muddy the waters. Muddy the waters, perhaps, is a is a better analogy um, about these uh, about the conservatives and even the Christians. Um, the, the the people involved here, even the keyboard warriors, have this tie. Have these ties to the uh, to the big money, and it may not be a direct tie. It may be three or four tiers, five, six, seven tiers below that. But ultimately, th- that's what they're doing, and, and they're using all of these asymmetrical guerrilla tactics against American citizens. Now, imagine if this were Hillary Clinton, and any of this, any of this, would be taking place can you imagine the outcry from these butterflies from these 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 snowflakes can you imagine Joe by the way as I talked to Steve on a different note real quick I talked to Steve Quayle earlier today he asked me to mention this and I want to mention this you remember he was on with uh, uh, he was on last week or the week before the Alex. Uh, right we, we, we talk, Cusco the VIP expedition and conference to Cusco. Folks, that is scheduled for June. Okay. If you go to truelegendsoftheseries.com, go there, truelegendsoftheseries.com, and scroll down to, uh, the VIP expedition and conference in Cusco, Peru. You've got, you've got Steve Quayle and Tim Alberino and now L.A. Marzulli. You, you only have a limited number of seats. I think there are like 20 seats. There was an illness that took place. A couple of illnesses and a couple of things happened where a couple of people who had uh, who had already registered had emergencies and had to back out. So you've got about five positions left, maybe five. The registration is going to be shut down by the end of the week. If you're interested and you can go, if you think you want to go, register by all means. I would do so because the cutoff, I think, is Friday. So you only have a couple, really a couple of days. If you're interested in hearing, this will be a one-of-a-kind adventure trip. If, if I'll tell you what, if, this would be great. I mean, I would love to go. Just the schedule just absolutely prohibits us from going. However, Cusco, Peru, Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino, L.A. Marzulli, you will not see or hear this anywhere else. Cusco, Peru, truelegendsoftheseries.com, or just email Steve Quayle. But do it in the next. Do it when you hear this. If you're hearing my voice live, do it now. If you're hearing us on archive, do it now. Do it before Friday. That's the VIP Expedition, True Legends, the VIP Expedition and Conference to Cusco, Peru. This is a one chance in a lifetime. Steve Quayle, Tim Albrino, L.A. Marzulli. There's only a few, I think five slots may be open. So do it today. Go to truelegendsofseries.com. That's truelegendsofseries.com. Or email Steve Quayle directly via his website. But folks... Do it before Friday the 20th. Please, do it before Friday the 20th, uh, because otherwise you may not have that chance again in your life. I saw a new interview today, or maybe relatively new, with Tim Alvarino on Skywatch uh, with Derek and uh, Mrs. Gilbert. They they did an interview with him, and it was really good. It was about 40 minutes long, something I have not seen before. Um, so check that out if you get a chance. This is a story we just had somebody email us to me, us, and I saw this earlier today, I don't know how many people have seen this or if this has been something that's been released, I doubt it has been yet Uh, this says CNN and BuzzFeed to release a damaging new Trump tape 48 hours before the inauguration and this link goes to an InfoWars story Yeah. 
I've got some thoughts on this. What are they? Wait, wait, I want to hear your thoughts because any video released to Trump saying anything derogatory, I, I think, is is fabricated. They would have released it before the election if they really Trust had me. it. That's and right. And just to see yeah. CNN and Buzz, BuzzFeed looks like some sort of retaliation against their uh, fake intelligence briefing release that they're trying to gain some credibility back by uh, releasing a doctored tape. I would not trust anything released at this point because if they would have had the information. Now, there's one exception to that, and, and I would apply this both to the Hillary Clinton emails, and I'll apply it across the board. There's only one exception that uh, if they release it now that I think it would be valid, and that is, or I'm sorry, well, let me rephrase that. If there was anything, if there was anything to this, this would have been released earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the reason uh, I say that is because the the only reason against that would be if there is law enforcement actionable material. So, in other words, you don't release law an investigative work product, a legitimate investigative work product that would would tank your investigation and taint the evidence. You don't release that. at all, you just don't do that. And and I would point to the Hillary Clinton emails because you understand there was not they were not released through the FBI until what was it uh, the, the latest was last Sunday on the eighth a week ago the previous Sunday, but they were heavily redacted. So anything and you're I and I 100 percent agree with you on this. And I say the 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 doctored part. Um, I forget what site I was on, but. There was a, a great um, comment and, and links underneath the article that showed uh, different effects like computer-generated images and the ability to... Uh, now that there's ability for everybody who has the understanding of the software, you can literally put a camera right in front of you, um, and on the monitor, you can put... You can substitute a face of a celebrity, a whole oh, yeah. thing. And your face... Right along the the structure will will go there, and it picks up um, the expressions you make. And you can literally sit here and, and talk like I'm talking, and make it look like uh, the Queen of England is saying what I'm saying, and, and you know, using the the body language and mannerisms I'm using. And, and I'll say this: and they showed yeah. examples from you know former presidents to yes. actors to and how easy it was Princess to Leia. What they right. want to resurrect her? Go on. No, and how easy it was to doctor. Some and make it look like uh, somebody you know, a celebrity, a politician, is saying things that you are actually saying with the image of the person instead of your own image. It's very deceptive, and it's something we've talked about a lot in the past. Is um, you know what's real and what's not that we see on TV or the news anymore. It's so hard to tell because anything can be simulated. Just look at Hollywood and the movies that they make. And we're going to have John Robertson come on and talk about that because he was on the front lines and he, he a lot of people don't a lot of people don't understand what John had done in Hollywood. He's he's he was in, he was in front and center of many things. But you're right, Joe, and, and also I'll say this, okay. And to list BuzzFeed and CNN as the, the releasers, that's yeah. just a big red flag. Um Well that we we gotta redeem ourselves, you know. Yeah. Uh crap news network and BuzzFeed. But but you have to understand, um the this is see the political warfare that's going on here the 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 attacks that's that are taking place i've seen this in up up close and personal in real life in, in a couple of different situations on the state level where i was asked to do things and 
you think at first, okay, this is a legitimate request. I need a background check conducted on this individual. Hey, we're, we're gonna we're gonna float him as the potential nominee for, we'll say, the, a public utility commission or a some uh, name a commission. You know, regardless, it doesn't matter. Uh, just as an example, so you do you you're presented with the facts, and all of a sudden you're getting led down, or, or little breadcrumbs are being placed right in front of you to go down in the investigation. And all of a sudden, you've got, you've built up this nice little package. Everything, they have given you everything. You didn't find it on your own. No, they directed you like a pinball in a pinball machine. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. If, if, even if it's that refined. But think of it this way. When you're talking about the, the technology, Joe, right now, today, you remember folks, how many, how many remember this? You go to an amusement park or you go to like a Lucy, Lucille Ball Museum, you can stick your, you know, as a family, you stick your head through the wooden cutouts, okay? Remember those? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, those down in Disney World. Right. With yeah. The, you know. Well, see, that's where we mentally are at in terms of our understanding of the CGI, of, of the mm-hmm. special effects. Meanwhile, the, the, the people who are running the government and have this stuff are at that hologram, holographic level uh, where it's, yeah, they can create Elvis or Elvi, uh, plural. And this is where we get into, you know, uh, talks of false flags from bombings in the Middle East that have been doctored. Eric and I watched a video a month and a half ago or so that showed a bomb going off and then people running and laying down where they're supposed to, you know, play dead or injured until somebody comes and scoops them away. It looked like a a scene out of a movie. Two um, instances of, you know, false flags here in uh, America. And Sandy Hook is a big controversial issue. But a lot of some of the footage was from a day before in a completely different school, um, and they do this. Uh, and we've seen CNN get caught using green screens when they're supposed to be live on scene. Uh, and, and there's so many examples of how people have been visually deceived due to computer-generated uh, graphics and changes that are made to the point where reality and fiction, the line is so blurred, you don't know where the the, fi- the reality ends and the fiction begins. That's true. That, uh, you're exactly that's um, right. a dangerous right. place to be, especially when we see the level of control that the the TV and the the movie industry has. I mean, can, is it possible they can create a disaster out of whole cloth with nobody being hurt or injured? It being a whole big production and sell it to the public as though it was a real event. I believe I think it they is. Can. Yeah, I, I think they have. Yes. I think we've fallen for it in the past. Absolutely, and it's something that is very concerning because it. It blurs that line again from reality uh, to to fiction, and you can't tell where where the one ends and the other begins. And that is uh, the reason that we need to be vigilant and do the research and uh, you know dig into a lot of these major stories that affect politics and the economy and uh, national security and our constitutional rights because you just don't know right. if we're being sold, you know, um, a bag of lies or an actual event. And this is why so many people are conflicted when things happen and they were so quick to say oh this was a stage event these are crisis actors because it's happened so often in the past that it's just a default way to um, begin to look at things and and be objective about it not buying into the lies right off the bat whether they're real events or not it's still going to have that um, people are still going to be skeptical no matter what at this point because they've seen so many lies sold to them that they can't fathom that anything real happens anymore 
and it's pretty alarming. Uh, and I think that's what they're going for is that confusion and then the confusion to selling, you know, lies, just created lies. I want to just direct everyone to HagmanReport.com. Joe's got a couple of stories up there. Is, uh, profiting from poverty, Amazon, Muscat, yeah, food stamps. Yeah, uh, that was a pretty uh, uh, rough story. Also, Putin. Yep, yeah, yeah, Putin. Putin said today, those who leaked Trump dossier or intelli- the fake intelligence brief are worse than prostitutes. But see, when I read your when I when I read that, I'm going to tell you, in my mind, I'm thinking, Putin is gaming us. He, mm-hmm. He's really he's, he's gaming us mentally. He's playing into the division, <laughs> right? And, of course, and the uh, uncertainty of Trump, and he's also by by coming out and sa- saying what he said, um, is making it look as though there's a much closer alliance between Putin and Trump than there maybe is. And he's looking to play right. off the American people's uh, uh, acceptance and liking of Trump, and I think he's trying to insert himself into those that category. And yeah, exactly. And and oh, I'm glad you pointed that out, and that's good. So, bookmarkhagmanreport.com, folks. And I want to thank John Rappaport. Uh, I want to thank Stephen Menking. I want to thank every John Robertson. Anyone who writes articles for us, they appear on hagmanreport.com. I want to thank you. Thank you so much for your contribution, invaluable assessments. And if I didn't name you by name, I apologize. But you're there. You're memorialized, and you're you're. Your wisdom is memorialized in uh, these these articles. Thank you again um, for that. And thank you, folks, for listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Folks, we're going to be back with our guest, Leo Holman, from World Net Daily, author, tremendous author. And news editor. editor. Yes. got a treat for you. Leo Holman. Uh, I followed this man's work. I, I, he's a tremendous author, researcher. He's got a book coming out on the 24th. This I just can't wait to get it in my hands. Uh, Stealth Invasion, the Muslim Conquest Through Immigration and Resettlement, Jihad. All right. I, I followed his work um, on World Net Daily. This man knows what he's talking about. His research is impeccable. His, his, uh, everything, he, everything he has written about, and I not only agree with, I applaud, as a matter of fact. You know, Americans are shocked by these ongoing news reports chronicling growing chaos in Europe. Are we shocked anymore? I don't think so. But you see this massive Muslim immigration. It's wreaking havoc on the continent, including horrendous acts of mass terrorism. And you've got, look at Berlin and Nice and all that. You've got this epidemic of rape and sexual assault against European women. Folks, that's coming here to the United States if left unchecked. Even today there's a mass stabbing in, in uh, Paris. I, I saw that. And But there's this transfer, transformation taking place, not only in gateway cities like New York and Chicago and other places, Los Angeles, but in all American cities uh, such as Twin Falls, Idaho, St. Cloud, Minnesota, and, and, and so on. So if, as stealth... A stealth invasion, as his book reveals, the Muslim Brotherhood has a very well-defined strategy 
to for conquering America. And he's going to talk about it with us tonight. And I'm just so proud to have uh, to, to really have Leo Holman on. And I'm going to thank John Robertson for arranging this interview. I'm just so so tickled uh, to have him with us. Before we get to our guest tonight, I'm speaking to anyone who runs a small or medium business or manages one. I'm speaking to you. Are you responsible for human resources, for personnel records and paperwork for your company? And are you overwhelmed? If you know. For example, the daily grind of trying to resolve payroll issues. Oh, pick me, pick me. Yeah, answering questions, putting out fires, chasing down data, filing, organizing. If if you're involved in all that, I've got something for you. Remember this, BambooHR.com. You won't forget it, BambooHR.com. Everything about BambooHR.com is designed to make life easier for business owners, for those who manage human resources, and even the employees. This is the best website for human resource management, for personnel management, the complete online HR management software for small to medium-sized businesses. That is what BambooHR.com is. One simple central system for keeping organized and detailed records for every employee. No more file cabinets, no more missed deadlines, no more spreadsheets, no more messy whiteboards. Forget about that. Did you forget to log in to, uh, to log, on, uh, log an employee's time off, or did you forget if they were out last Monday? Well, how about that confidential salary history filed in paper in employee files? Do you know how many times I was called as an investigator uh, because of a breach of security in personnel? Well, no, no more. Folks, enjoy everything in one place. Job and salary history, vacation and sick days, benefits, training history, and so, so much more. We have a limited time offer just for listeners of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Here's what you do. You visit BambooHR.com. You click on the mic and enter our code HH to get a free 14-day trial. Once you try this, you will be hooked. You will be sold. Try it, and you'll wonder how you ever got along without it. HR Paperwork Solutions Made Easy. That is BambooHR.com. BambooHR.com. Enter our promo code HH. One more time, BambooHR.com. Enter our promo code HH. At uh, Oh, and you'll, you're just going to love it. So. All right. With us now is WorldNet Daily News Editor and author, Leo Holman, and he is uh, joining us now. We tried to get him on video Skype. We've been having some issues with the, with the video for whatever reason. Um, and I think he is on the landline with us now. Can you hear us, Lee? I am. Happy to be Excellent. here today. Well, I'll tell you, you are the man, as far as I'm concerned. You're the man. Uh, I love your work. We love your work here at the Hagman Studio, and we talk about it all the time. You've done some fantastic articles at World Net Daily, and we want to thank you for all of your hard work and research, and also just remind everyone your book, uh, uh, Stealth Jihad, or uh, uh, what, did, what did I just do with that? Stealth you, Invasion. Thank you, thank you. That's the one. But uh, the, thanks for it's, it's new. It's it's very new. So I'll let you off the hook there, Mr. Hangman. Well, I'm gonna, and call me Doug, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to uh, uh, on the 24th. Uh, I'm going to make sure I've got a copy in my hands or, or on its way to my hands. A hard copy. I love the hard copy book. So yeah. thank you for doing that. Uh, so anyway. Let's start. Um, let's start with your new book, Stealth Invasion: Muslim Conquest Through Immigration and Resettlement Jihad. We have seen the effects of, of this resettlement and invasion of, of Europe. Um, mm-hmm. We've we've seen what the Obama administration has done here, bringing in Syrian refugees, the majority of them, ninety-eight percent or more, Muslim, and mm-hmm. the violence is still 
yet to be seen over here as much as it is in Europe. But what does it say about um, Europe now that the immigration and resettlement of Muslim refugees is transforming this nation and this uh, group of nations into uh, a totally different landscape than what it was before in a terrible way? And how are the people putting up with this uh, and the politicians continuing to be able to sell it? Well, you know, it's happening in Germany, it's happening in France. Uh, We've seen what has happened in the U.K. with the Brexit vote. Uh, I think uh, Germany and France uh, may have one last chance to sort of turn it around. They've got elections coming up in those countries in 2017. And uh, if the current trends continue, I expect uh, the opposition parties, the so-called populist parties, uh, to really uh, surprise some people, similar to the way Donald Trump surprised us here in the U.S. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've seen some surveys come out just in the last couple of weeks, uh, up to one-half of Germans uh, now say that they feel like Outsiders, like foreigners in their own country. Uh, 58% of German women now say that they are afraid to go outside at certain times of the day, especially after dark in uh, public spaces. Uh, we've seen what happened uh, on New Year's Eve a year ago with over 1,200 sexual assaults on German women committed by uh, Muslim migrants, and then the German authorities and the media initially tried to, their first reaction was to try to cover it up. And it eventually came out, just like it did in the U.K., where over a decade of sexual abuse of young schoolgirls there, it's uh, this is in my book as well, uh, were groomed by Muslim sex gangs, mostly from Pakistan. The media, to this day, won't call them Muslims. They call them Asians. But they can't deny that it happened. Uh, and the most troubling thing that I'm seeing is that I'm starting to see the exact same seeds of these type of behaviors showing up here in the U.S. Uh, I document a few of them in my book, uh, and I just pray to God that these are not just the first fruits of a full-blown uh you know, jihad in this country. But we are seeing some of the bad signs uh, of media complicit with law enforcement covering up refugee crimes. Uh, We just had a case I reported on about a week ago in Aberdeen, South Dakota, where a uh, Muslim migrant refugee from Somalia had just been in the country for a week, and he just showed up in Aberdeen for a day. The very first day he arrives in Aberdeen to work at the local meat plant, uh, beef packing plant, he wanders, he's staying at the White House Hotel, that's that's no joke, and uh, he wanders about two mile and a half, two miles down the street from his hotel and finds himself at a uh, a, a mental health facility for special needs adults. And the workers there had just put a 31-year-old woman with severe mental disabilities out in the sun where she likes to sit during the day and had gone back into the facility to grab a few more patients. And this refugee proceeds to 
try to rape her. Mm. And this happened last July 30th, 31st, right around there. The local media never reported it. He went to trial on December 24th, just before, or December 20th, just a few days before Christmas this year. He was convicted of attempted uh, sexual assault on a woman who was unable to give consent. He was literally ready to rape her when he was caught red-handed by the facility uh, care worker. Do you know that the local media, Doug, never reported the trial either? And, nice. and then when I I did the story and called the local editor and asked why didn't you do it, he said, "Oh, we you know we just must have missed that one." I'll, I, I thanks for you know pointing that out. It, it surely was just I haven't talked to my courts reporter, but it must have been an oversight. Well, he puts out an article the very next day as I after I put mine out, but lacking some very important information. He he reported that it happened, that the man was convicted, Mohammed, whatever his name was. Uh, but he conveniently leaves out, A, that he was a refugee, B, that he was Muslim, C, that he had only arrived there that day in his city before he preyed upon this helpless woman. And the same thing had happened around that same time of year, July last year, in Twin Falls, Idaho, when three refugee boys... Uh, raped a five-year-old special needs girl in the apartment complex in twin uh, low-income apartments in right there in Twin Falls, and it would have been even worse if an elderly resident hadn't walked in and caught them in in, in the act. The the oldest one, 14 years old, was filming the entire thing. We reported it. Infowars reported it. You may recall this story. It had a lot of media attention in the conservative press. Well. What happened? The establishment media there in Twin Falls and some other uh, cities around there, they all came out with articles saying that we basically concocted this story and it must have been fake news. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, the Infowars story did have a couple of minor facts wrong. They said the refugees were from Syria. In fact, they were from uh, Sudan and Iraq. My story was 100% airtight. Not a single thing was wrong with it. They lumped me in with everyone else. Even the Infowars story, though, was, you know, 85% accurate. And, and they just accused us all of basically making it up. And, and the uh, Obama-appointed uh, U.S. attorney there in Idaho, Miss Wendy Olson, came out uh, astonishingly and uh, injected herself into this local criminal case, this federal prosecutor, and uh, issued this terse warning. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I almost felt, I almost choked on my coffee the morning when I, I read this statement from her saying that if any other local people or media came out with, quote, false, misleading, or inflammatory information about the case or about the perpetrators, she would not hesitate to prosecute them. Now, she ended up having to walk those comments back because she came under some pretty heavy condemnation, not only from conservatives, but from one liberal law professor. And the same type of thing, you may recall, happened after San Bernardino when Loretta Lynch came out with a statement and said that if there were any Americans who came out and had speech critical of 
of Islam that, as she saw it, edged towards violence, she would, quote, aggressively come after them with prosecution. She also had to walk those comments back. But it's a testing, I see it as a testing ground, Doug, uh, to see if they can treat the, these crimes the same here as they have been treated in Europe. And so this book, that uh, Stealth Invasion, it, it lays out sort of the landscape of what's, where we are in Europe, where we are in the United States. And, 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 you know, Donald Trump said in one of his speeches before he was elected that he wanted to halt all Muslim immigration until what? Until we could figure out what the hell is going on. Right. Well, this book, expo- th- th- I did my best in this book to explain to Mr. Trump what is going on and others. I think he was honestly interested in it, and I hope he continues to be interested in it, but we'll, we'll, that remains to be seen, and we will, I guess, find out shortly. Um, if we can, going back to Germany, uh, and this ties into the title of your book, The, the Stealth Invasion, I've read a lot of articles that talk about under the cover of night, uh, on top of the refugees that were openly being admitted to Germany, there was uh, airports that were in operation flying, you know, two, three, four planes full of, of immigrants in at night that were not being used or tallied as the uh, the rest of the immigrants were, and that this was an operation that's been ongoing much longer than uh, what is being given to the public, the information that's been given to the public. Have we seen any uh, additional stories like that in the U.S. or in other parts of Europe? That's an interesting question. Uh, we, I have heard of some reports to that effect. I've never been able to nail them down. <clears throat> About the closest I have been ever uh, been able to nail down, however, is a situation in Michigan uh, where there is a hotel uh, in, uh, uh, I believe, Sterling Heights, Michigan, which if you go on the Secretary of State website and research Syrian refugees, for Michigan in that database, it shows none having been sent to Sterling Heights, Michigan. But I have a source there who personally walked into this hotel and saw women, uh, Syrian-looking women in, 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 in full garb, their, their faces covered in, in burqas, and two men st- standing guard outside. And, and, a, and so he went in and started asking questions, and he got... He talked to the clerk, and he talked to the maintenance man, and they both confirmed to him that, yes, these are Syrian refugees, and they filled one whole wing of the hotel. And there was about 23 families, which if you consider four or five children per family, that's quite a number of Syrian refugees. A couple hundred. Uh, yeah. And so uh, this is going on. Uh, what I assume is happening is they're being temporary pla- temporarily placed in these hotels until they can uh, have housing, permanent housing found for them uh, in, in any number of our cities. Uh, Michigan and, and Minnesota are two states that, in my opinion, have been hit the hardest. Uh, Texas has been hit hard as well. Uh, the only difference between Minnesota and Michigan seems to be that Minnesota has pretty much lied down and and is accepting its fate. Uh, Minnesota is, but but watch Michigan in 2017. I think some interesting things could happen there. Uh, 
the folks up there are, have not uh, taken a, a docile position on this. They're, they're getting more and more fired up, uh, and I think they've had a boost of confidence with the election of, of Donald Trump. And uh, I don't think the story is, is finished yet in Michigan, even though we've had, you know, stories in the last year of, of one whole city in Michigan, Hamtramck, now having the first Muslim-majority city council. Uh, we've seen what's happened in Dearborn, where you drive through there and it, you don't even know that you wouldn't recognize it as being an American city. Uh, and the, the, the Polish have been run out of Hamtramck. Uh, a lot of businesses have been run out of Dearborn and replaced with Islamic uh, businesses. Um, so this is where the metal meets the road, and I think uh, 2017 is going to be a very interesting year. Uh, from your research, Mr. Holman, the violence in Europe seems to be much more widespread and frequent than anything here in America. From what you know, is that is there anything that has to do with uh, the citizens of the United States and the, the availability of guns and the lack thereof in Europe, or is there something else going on? Well, number one, I, I kind of agree with your summary there, but I kind of disagree with it. They, they've had some bigger attacks lately in Europe. You know, when you look at Paris and Brussels and... The Nice attack was horrific, where the, the man drove the truck through the crowd of people celebrating Bastille Day. Um, but we've had quite a few attacks on uh, Mr. Obama's watch here in the United States, especially in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I recently wrote a story uh, published in WND uh, about two weeks ago that was titled Eight Bloody Terror Attacks in 18 Months here on U.S. soil. And uh, if you look at the list, I mean, it starts with Chattanooga, five unarmed U.S. servicemen shot dead by Mr. Mohammed Abdulaziz, whose uh, family came from Kuwait. Uh, you had, uh, that was in July 2015. Then, in, you know, November, November 2015, you had a knife attack at UC Merced, where Mr. Faisal Mohammed, an 18-year-old student there uh, who uh, came from Pakistan with his family, he wounded four uh, students and teachers before he was shot dead by a security guard. You know, then you had November, uh, I'm sorry, December 2015 with San Bernardino, uh, 14 people killed at an office Christmas party there by uh, Mr. Uh, Farouk, along with his fiance Tashfeen Malik who he was able to get in from Saudi Arabia on a rubber stamped visa even though she took her passport photo in a full burqa no red flags there just rubber stamp it and let her in uh, then you had on uh, February 2016 you had another knife attack at the Nazareth Mediterranean restaurant in Columbus Ohio by Mr. Mohammed Barry he was a refugee from the African country of Guinea uh, he uh, wounded four people, one critically. Uh, then on September 17th, we're getting more recent now, uh, this uh, September 17th, we had the St. Cloud stabbing spree at the Crossroads Mall in St. Cloud, Somali refugee, thank you very much, ten people wounded. That same day, you had the Chelsea pipe bombing uh, by an Afghan refugee that injured 29 people. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that was also on September 17th. Uh, then on November 28th, you had the Ohio State University knife attack where the uh, young gentleman there, Ahmed, uh, I'm sorry, Abdul Ali Razan Artan, uh, took a lesson from the gentleman in Nice and tried to ram his car through a uh, gathering of students, and when that didn't work, he got out and started stabbing them. Uh, you know, and, and what do all these attacks have in common? Every single one was committed by a Muslim migrant or the son of a Muslim migrant. And then we had an attack just two weeks ago by a native-born Muslim convert, Esteban Santiago, which... Did you hear the news just out today? Which on that one, two weeks control? after the attack, which I predicted, when this attack took place on, I think it was January the 10th or 11th, it was presented in our media as just a, a U.S. military veteran who had suffered PTSD, uh, some mental, emotional prog problems, and he just went off and, you know, went on a shooting spree at the Fort Lauderdale Airport and killed five people, injured six others. And I predicted at the time, it will come out a couple of weeks later what the real story is, and nobody, and nobody will notice. It will be off the radar. We've all forgotten about it, and that's exactly what happened. Just today, just this afternoon, uh, the Orlando Sentinel reported, that uh, Mr. Esteban Santiago, who is a Muslim convert, uh, admitted to law enforcement that he did that shooting for ISIS. So there you have it. We have quite a few, uh, a lot of blood being spilled here in America. And uh, I think a lot of it, with the exception of that last case, Mr. Santiago, who was uh, born of Puerto Rican parents, and we can't say that he was brought here from any Muslim country, but every one of these other attacks, we can. Yeah, and there's um, the, the last uh, incident you mentioned with the Fort Lauderdale shooting. They absolutely took advantage of him being a veteran and, and mm -hmm. used that as the, you know, headline of the story, former Iraq War veteran PTSD, uh, you know, goes on a rampage. Because but that's he right. The, Mr. Yeah, Homan called it. I mean, he called it, though. And there's more information that's come out, like he turned himself into the FBI offices in Alaska with the same firearm he used in the shooting. He's right, claiming that right. he's being mind-controlled by the government. And just the fact that he went to an FBI office and, and tried to explain to these people what was going on with them, and they let him leave with his with his weapon and all this um it just it stinks to me but he did come out and claim uh, that isis he was a part of isis and he did it for uh, isis which is yeah and it's almost you know, like the whole story. rest of the story if you read the story out today it's almost like the original story was all just bs and refuted you know so you, we saw the same thing with the Orlando shooting. Oh, and by the way, I think I didn't even, I may have left that one off my list. <laughs> 47 mm -hmm. pe 49 people killed at the gay nightclub in Orlando. And, and he did. was the son of an Afghan, Afghan immigrant. But, Go but figure. in that uh, case. I've got to stop you right there, Mr. Holman. I'm sorry about this. Yeah. We're at the bottom of the hour break here. We're, our guest is Leo Holman, a man that I've got a lot of respect for, a great author. World Net Daily, go to WND, uh, check him out, and of course his book coming out, Stealth Invasion, Muslim Conquest Through Immigration and Resettlement, Jihad, and believe me, it is Jihad. Leo also his latest article, Obama, Carrie, have one last surprise for Jewish, the Jewish yeah. state, which is something we want to talk about before 
we are done with this interview. We'll be back with Leo Homan on the other side for the next segment, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay with us. Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest is Leo Holman. He's a news editor for WND.com. He's been a reporter editor at several suburban newspapers in Atlanta and Charlotte, North Carolina, in those areas. He's also served as a managing editor of Triangle Business Journal in Raleigh, North Carolina. His latest book, and you've got to grab this, Stealth Invasion, Muslim Conquest Through Immigration and Resettlement Jihad, coming out here just just a week from today, a week from today, and we're lucky to have him. That's Leo Holman on with us on video. You can see him uh, dapper as ever, of course. Perhaps he might be a customer of Indochino. Um, Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Yeah, we're talking with Leo Holman, uh, World Net Daily News Editor as well as uh, author. And, folks, go to HagmanReport.com if you want. There is a, a story up there uh, titled the same as... Um, Mr. Holman's book, Stealth Invasion, Muslim Conquest. Before the break, we were talking about the uh, the last terror attack on your list. You were mentioning the Orlando uh, mm-hmm. routine, the Pulse nightclub attack. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, if you recall that attack, which was a huge one, 49 people, I think it was... The largest in... Uh, the largest mass shooting, right, in modern times in America. Uh, that one was presented in the media as a young man who uh, had some gay issues and, you know, uh, may have been gay and, you know, had frequented this nightclub before and perhaps he was, you know, uh, carrying out some sort of revenge attack. Uh, also, some indications that he suffered maybe with some mental illness. That's a favorite excuse. Uh, but nothing initially about a jihad attack. And then they came out weeks later and, you know, found out that he had pledged himself to ISIS. Uh, you know, it was the same thing with the, uh, oh, my God, the uh, Chattanooga shooter. I think they waited seven months before they came out and gave us the truth on that one. Um, you know, so we see this same pattern every time. It's workplace violence. It's mental illness. It's, you know, it, it, it's a PTSD. It, it's anything but jihad. <laughs> and so... That's the frustrating thing about the U.S. media. I mean, these people call themselves journalists, but they're they're not asking questions, and they're and, and if if they get answers, they're not reporting them. Mr. Holman, if I can interject a question here, why, 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 why open the doors specifically to Muslim immigrants who will not, in any way, shape, or form? are not compatible with our representative republic or with our set of laws who put Sharia over our constitution. Why is this happening to America, and as well as Western Europe and Europe in general? Why? Well, that is the $6 million question. Why? Why would our elite, global elites, who have ruled for decades, you know, Western Europe, 
the United States. Why would they do this? But if you look into the text of the UN documents, and uh, you start to see some things emerge. Um, the 2030 agenda, I, you've probably done some shows on that. I've, I know you have. I've watched your show, and I have great respect for it. And by the way, I'm honored to be on here today. This is the... I'm 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 just thrilled to be on with you guys, and um, but you look in these texts and the 2030 agenda and the new urban agenda, which the new urban agenda is the implementation policy for the 2030 agenda, and in that 2030 agenda, for the first time we see the UN coming out and declaring rights of third world migrants to what to resettle in Western democracies. And we're not even talking traditional refugees because the traditional 1951 Geneva definition of a refugee was somebody who's fleeing a, quote, well-founded fear of persecution for either usually their religious or political beliefs, for their beliefs. Uh, But in the 2030 agenda, it talks all about the rights of migrants to have all these different things, you know, economic opportunity, the right to fair housing, the right to uh, affordable transportation. You know, you look in these documents, new uh, the 2030 agenda and the new urban agenda, and you see these things and you start asking yourself, why do migrants in the third world have the right to our country's fruits? and freedoms under our Constitution. Foreigners don't have rights under the U.S. Constitution, but that is what's being sneaked in here. And, you know, and I think, I think the bottom line answer to your question is it's probably multifaceted but, and, and not just one answer, but one of the primary things I think that these globalists are trying to accomplish is a uh, massive redistribution of wealth. And how do you do that? You bring the third world labor into the West, and you ship our good-paying manufacturing jobs into the third world. And it's basically a war on the middle class here in in the West, especially in America, but also Western Europe. And uh, I think people are starting to open their eyes to it, and they're starting to see that see through the lies because you know George Soros and, and these global elites they're always harping on income inequality you know and, and but my goodness they've been the ones in power for the last 2 3 4 you know decades Donald Trump is the first you know populist non-globalist president we've had since you could argue Ronald Reagan and what is it's all happened on their watch all of this all of this outsourcing of jobs and all of this in migration of cheap labor it's all on their watch and that's the reason why the uh extreme income inequality has been just you know gathering steam and momentum until i think it's reaching a tipping point now and people are saying enough you know that's why you've had you had blue collar democrats in places like Michigan and Ohio, voting for a, a Republican—that it's the first time that's happened since Ronald Reagan. Interesting. Yeah, and um, you know, back Very to something. Analysis, by the way, back to something you mentioned earlier. 
um, about what these refugees are being given. A lot of times, and I've seen this in Germany a lot and in Europe, they're being uh, given houses that belong to people who were born in Germany. They're being given benefits as they're being taken away from other Germans. And a lot of people are starting to, to recognize what's going on, and no amount of lying or propaganda um, is going right. to turn this around. I don't think. I think it's. It, but you're right. The you know from the free trade agreements to the mm-hmm. destabilization of, of the U.S. economy, this is all uh, a systematic attempt by globalists to try to uh, cripple our economic uh, situation, not only here in America but in the Western world. And we see yeah. this rise in, a- rise in Asia and, and the uh, Chinese economy and trade. They're becoming a world power. And just say the Chinese president was um, advocating globalism when there's this huge rise in nationalism and um, and populism, as you said. Uh, Merkel. They're certainly running scared, yeah. Merkel's future in Germany. There's an election coming up. Um, Germany has been ripped in half by this the, the immigration and refugee issue. Does she have a political future in Germany, or is this the end of the line for her? Well, you know, you, she's definitely running scared. Uh, we've seen her take drastic action lately, you know, banning the burqa. Uh, <laughs> who would have thought she, anyone would see that day uh, in Germany? Um, you know, but there's a lot of uh, strength on the other side. The same thing we see in the U.S. with the media completely on the side of the globalists. Uh, in that country and you know you've also got that issue in Germany which you don't have in France and some of the others I, I really think we might see something in France before Germany but I, I could be wrong and, and the only reason is the German psyche I, I'm from German descent myself my uh, grandparents migrated to America in the 1920s uh, you know and the German psyche is was really damaged, as you know, by World War II and the the guilt complex that was uh, heaped upon them. Uh, you know, all Germans were seen as bad. Uh, you know, in the wake of all of that, and we had years and years of uh, uh, Hollywood putting out movies where you know the evil Gestapo Germans. You know, when when a lot of the Germans, you know, were people. You know, they're people just like us. People can uh, be fooled by their leaders, and I think, you know, in desperate times, people are more easily fooled by their leaders. And you had desperate times economically in Germany, and I just would, if I could speak to the German people, I would say, you know, that's in your past. You are not racist. You are not bigots. But you you do have the right to preserve your your country and your culture. And so... uh, you know, I, I do think it's going to be closer than a lot of people realize, but have I counted Merkel out? No, I wouldn't do that yet. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting, because I have. Um, <laughs> I, I just can't see it with the, the way things have been going lately. Um, and then the people are, are starting to really catch on, and it's, it seems mm-hmm. to be um, not just people who are in the – I mean, it's the talk of, of towns um, reading different Internet sites and message boards and comment sections. People are really yeah. uh, fed up with the way things have been going, and they and do you know that they've the even they've uh, criminalized uh, in Germany. They've criminalized uh, criticism of Islam. If you post mm-hmm. something too critical of Islam on Facebook, you can actually be arrested. So, yeah, the uh, you know. we we've had a, a few journalists on from the UK and, and other places across the globe, and the hate speech laws that have been enacted yeah. in different parts of Europe. It's just insanity. Uh, to think yes. people live under those kind of restrictions, um, you know. So you may you may be right that you know maybe even Germany has reached the tipping point. I hope you are right. 
Yeah, uh, it's pretty so, painful to, to watch this continue. Yeah. Uh, if I can just interject this one thing here, because I, I, I like in your it, you know, how you um, you cite the use of private agencies, specifically churches uh, mm-hmm. uh, or agencies with with church like names that are tied mm-hmm. uh, to, to various uh, denominations to do the resettlement work here, especially here in the United States and. Um, uh, you know, without public hearings and without uh, notices of the newspaper and whatever. Right. And, and folks, uh, we're talking with Leo Homan, his book, Stealth Invasion, Muslim Conquest Through Immigration and Resettlement Jihad. Uh, I guess my question to you with respect to that is, how, how deeply are these uh, NGOs or how deeply are these, or well, let me back up. What's in it for those groups, I, I guess, whether yeah. it be, you know, what's in it for them to, to be involved in this? Yeah, great question, Doug. Um, basically, a lot of money. They are paid. Most people don't realize this because they they um, present themselves as, as charitable organizations, and they have churchy-sounding names, as you said. You know, Catholic Charities, Lutheran Social Services, Episcopal Immigration and Migration Services. You know, the Jewish immigrant, the uh, Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society is involved. Uh, so, you know, you even have evangelical groups involved in a group called World Relief. Uh, you know, that put that is a offshoot of the National Association of Evangelicals. So, the Baptists are involved. None of them are have their hands clean on this. And so, every one of your listeners who goes to any type of church. Uh, might have, you know, an issue with their church that they might want to take up. Um, why are we sending money to these groups? Uh, you know, they present themselves as charities, but the truth is that 65 to 97% of their budgets, I've researched the budgets of these groups, and, you know, upwards of eight, 70, 80, 90% of their budgets are funded by federal uh, grants and fees. And they are paid by the head over $2,000 for every refugee they resettle in an American city. Uh, they're able to keep a roughly half of that amount after they give the rest to the refugee. They also make there's loans to the refugees for airfare. And once they collect the loan from the, re- the poor refugee, they're able to keep a percentage of it from the federal government. They can apply for all these different federal grants for services to the refugees, everything from you know family and marriage counseling to how to shop at an American grocery store, how to drive, how to do this, that, and the other. There's, they say they're doing all this for them, but they're what? They're paid by the government to do it. So it's not... They're being fraudulent. They're not being truthful. It's not what you and I would consider charity work. Man, it's it's a commo- it's a human commodity, right? That's what it is. It's a form of human trafficking. I've heard it described that way exactly. And 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 it is the refugees sometimes who are the victims. You know, we've had stories of refugees. Uh, you know, well, even <laughs> this one who was arrested in Aberdeen. Why was he in the city one day? One day in a strange city and a strange culture and allowed to wander by himself down the street until he preyed upon a woman. And by the way, he said that what he did was not wrong in his country. So, you know, (laughs) these people are themselves, you know, being taken advantage of. 
Why? In this case, it was for cheap labor. And by the way, that's the other side of the coin. You have the 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 uh, the NGOs involved raking in scads of government money, but the, and that's why you know you you tend to see a lot of idealistic people and democratic type people working on that end of this program. But then you have the meatpacking plants. The yogurt plant, the huge world's largest yogurt plant in Twin Falls, Idaho, and all these other uh, industries employing the refugees as what? Cheap labor, replacing Americans at a cheaper cost. And so and that's where we see the Republican support for the program. This program has flown under the radar. This is not a new thing. This program has flown under the radar for more than 35 years uh, with absolutely no dissent from the Democrats or the Republicans until this last year, year and a half, when Donald Trump started making an issue of it. You know, um, a lot of people ask, I've heard people talk about this, if Trump didn't make immigration the main form of his campaign, would he have gotten elected? And uh, on to Trump, I want to ask you your opinion. Um, do you think what Trump says is talk to appease people and make them happy, or do you think he's going to follow through with these, um, you know, being more the trade agreements one, the refugees two, and um, you know, ending this uh, non-assimilation and vetting the people who are coming in. Uh, do you think that will happen? I do expect him. Well, you know, he kind of backed off of what he originally said. You know, with uh, halting all Muslim immigration until we can what quote figure out what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, a very good instinct of his. He caught a lot of flack in the media uh, from that, and he has since uh, softened that to e- extreme vetting, as he calls it. You know, <laughs> I do think we'll see some form of extreme vetting, or at least better vetting. But I hate to say it, Joe and Doug, extreme vetting would not have stopped a single one of those terrorist attacks on that list that we ran through earlier in the show. Why? Because every single one of those was either a second generation born here in the States to a Muslim immigrant, or he was a young child or teenager when he came here. Of course, every single one of them would have passed through vetting. So, That's a good point. Yeah. You know, how do you vet against future devotion to extreme Islam? It's you know and and if you listen to the neighbors of these people and the you know the the Chattanooga guy and the Orlando guy and the uh, you know OSU attacker without exception when they interview the neighbors of these fellows we always hear or the former school teachers he was the nicest guy he was so gentlemanly people loved him. He was quiet. He was popular. Well, I don't suspect they're lying. Do you? I, I believe that no, they're telling no. the, the truth. That that's how these men came across, and they probably were. The Chattanooga guy, the shooter. He was. He came here when he was six years old. Mohammed Abdulaziz. He went to American schools. He was on the high school rest, wrestling team. Everybody loved him. He graduated, he went on to college at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga and got him a degree in electrical engineering. It was only after college that he started getting interested in his roots, his Islamic roots. He uh, started studying the Quran in depth. He grew out his beard 
he started attending mosques regularly, and then he kills five unarmed U.S. servicemen at a recruitment center. It's tragic, and sometimes it only takes, we're told, of you know, this radicalization process. It, it can take as little as weeks or months from Mr. Nice Guy to Dangerous Killer. All that was needed was for him to study the Quran, the Hadith, and perhaps get some encouragement somewhere along the line. You know, it's interesting. Back when Obama took office, the DHS and other government agencies released a number of lexicons and domestic extremist uh, examples. And one thing that they really focused on was online radicalization for mm -hmm. lone wolf terrorists. Only they mm -hmm. they used constitutionalist, um, Second Amendment people, preppers, and you saw that Islam was you know like a footnote in a lot of these yeah, reports. Yeah. But it seems like looking back now that all that is geared towards what you just described is the radicalization of uh, people brought here or born here uh, back to their cultures of, of origin and um, it, and it, it is disturbing when you give the examples and you're not you're talking about people who have you know roots here who were pretty much raised here uh, yeah I mean this kid in Chattanooga he was by all uh, by all appearances, he was the poster child for a well-assimilated, successful American Muslim. And, and so if we can't count on those, the ones who live in good neighborhoods, he didn't live in a ghetto, you know, he lived in a good neighborhood. Same with, a, uh, there was a young girl in Birmingham, Alabama, same thing. I believe I mentioned her in my book, you know, from a wealthy Muslim family appearing to be well-assimilated, popular in high school. She got more devout. She started wearing the uh, the hijab. She started going to mosque, and before you know it, she's leaving for Syria to become an ISIS bride. Nice. So, yeah, it can happen quickly. Well, it, it, these the, the you mentioned mosques. Uh, all these mosques, uh, they're being built with Saudi money, right? Uh uh, 75 to 80 percent, yes, you're absolutely right, Doug. 75 to 80 percent of American mosques are funded at least in some partial way by Saudi money. And what do we know about that? You know, that is Wahhabism, Salafi Islam. That is the most virulent brand of Islam, and that's what we're raising up here in the United States. They're not going to tell their people to go out and commit wild jihad ad hoc that's not what the stage that they're at right now. They want them to be peaceful. I believe most of these who, you know, most of these who went off and committed terrorist attacks, like you say, are what we'd call lone wolves. They're, they haven't been well-planned uh, terrorist cells, and that's the difference between what Joe was saying earlier and what we saw in Paris and Brussels and Europe. But that is coming. If we continue on this path of what I call weaponized immigration, this is this is not the immigrant of your grandfather or my grandfather who came here with the intention of assimilating, learning the language, fitting in, adopting American values. This is weaponized immigration, and it's going to come back to haunt us. Pure conquest, as you point out in, in your book. And, mm -hmm. folks, again, Leo Homan, author of Stealth, or, um, I'm Stealth sorry, Invasion. Stealth Invasion, Muslim Conquest Through Immigration and Resettlement Jihad. Pure conquest, in my view. Go ahead, Joe. And the editor for World Net Daily. Uh, we only have a two and a half minutes left, Mr. Homan. Um, your latest article, Obama, Kerry, have one last surprise for Jewish state. Can you give us a little sneak peek into what that's about? 
Well, that actually uh, was written to sort of send out a warning about what could have happened this past weekend in Paris with the Paris Peace Summit. It ended up not coming together as some people had feared. Uh, uh, thank God. But as you know, we've already he's already had one major surprise for Israel, and, and he's not through. We have three more days, so let's keep our eyes peeled. But I think hopefully we're out of the woods with any more negative Israel resolutions coming out of the U.N. under this administration. Mr. Holman, what's the best place for people to get your book right now, pre-order, any, any pre-ordering? How do we get, get, get our hands oh, on Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's available pretty much everywhere now. Amazon uh, has it. Uh, it's been running number one already in the uh, category of nationalism. <laughs> Interesting mm-hmm. category they put it under, but it is selling well uh, on Amazon, but it is also available in the WND.com Superstore. Uh, that uh, address is superstore.wnd.com, and you can find it on there as well. Okay, fantastic. And, and to be sure, folks, this is a very, in my view, a very valuable resource written uh, by Mr. Homan. He's a great researcher, investigative author. Um, his columns, uh, we just, uh, we just, we follow him, uh, his research and investigative work product. We want to thank you so much for being part of our program. And Absolutely. we do hope you'll come back. Man, it's an honor to have you. Yeah, it's same it's here. Great. Like I said, I have followed you guys for quite some time. You are one of my favorite shows, and uh, you have such interesting guests. I'm just I'm honored to be you know considered among them. I really am. Uh, We're honored to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well Again, God bless you, brother. Folks, uh, same Mr. same Holman's to you. Book. And there's so much more, yeah, that we could talk about in a future show. Absolutely. Right. I think we're only scratching the surface on the uh, yeah. mm-hmm. weaponized immigration, as you call it. And um, there's a lot more happening and going to continue to happen as we transition uh, through this populist, nationalist, anti-globalist sediment that seems to be wrapping yeah. up all over the world. Absolutely. Leo God bless you. Thank you, my friend. And we'll be talking soon again. God Thank bless. you, and God bless you both. All right. Have a good night. Mm, you Folks, too. That, that, that was Leo Homan. Uh, what, what a great guy, and what a fantastic book. And, and I'm serious about the stealth invasion, Muslim conquest through immigration and resettlement jihad. Follow him at WND.com, and uh, certainly grab a hold of that book. I know uh, I am, that's for sure. And Joe, yeah, I, I, I really want to read that, that book um, because we we get a lot of the uh, fluff from the media, both from Europe and, and here in the U.S., you know, sugarcoating a lot of what's happening. And very rarely do you get a good piece of investigative journalism in an article or a book about what's really happening with immigration in the Western world. Um, and this weaponized immigration is definitely a serious issue, as over 15,000 Syrian refugees alone came to the U.S. last year, and Obama was pushing for upwards of 110,000 this year. Don't know that that's going to happen. But when we come back, Stan Dale from StanDale.com will be joining us, and he'll be with us till the end of the show. Stay with us.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour of this Tuesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, we just got off with Leo Holman, the WorldNet Daily News Editor and author of Stealth Invasion. And this hour, we are joined, as we are each and every Tuesday in the third hour, by Stan Dale. His website is standale.com. Make sure you bookmark that site. And every time Stan joins us, you can follow along on the show images page, which is uh, on the right-hand side, on the right of the microphone. And it seems that we have a lot to talk about. Stan, welcome back to the show. Hey, good to hear your voice again, Joe. Yeah, glad to glad to be back. Uh, been back since last week after my uh, hibernation and um, ready to rock and roll. It's uh, great to hear you too, Stan. All right, well, what uh, what should we talk about? You're looking at the page. What do you want to hit first? Um, well, one of the main themes that we've been talking about the last two days as the news continues uh, to come out about the inauguration and the potential for disruptions, and I see you have uh, an article up here, a coup against Donald Trump would mean civil war. I guess I would start by asking you, um, with all the news surrounding the inauguration from potential protesters blocking mass transportation routes to the undercover Project Veritas videos, the Disrupt J20 events, what do you uh, see happening here in the in the next few days with the Trump inauguration? Boy, you know, it is a real crapshoot. I just don't know how it's going to turn up. Um, I noticed in this article that I put a link to there, it was some um, George Galloway show, and uh, he said, uh, you know, if there is an attempt to keep him out, you know, that it would, uh, it would make... Uh, um, civil war and uh, Rosie O'Donnell has even called for martial law to be imposed, which is stupid. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, it, it is such a hard thing to protect a president and, and, and the audience there in that open arena, uh, even though it's a long way from where like snipers might be. You've got drones to consider. You've got uh, gas attacks. Uh, you know. Um, you know, there's just so many modern ways to hurt people that uh, if we get through it, it'll be by the grace of God, which, you know, means that Christians uh, should be praying for that uh, to protect him and uh, Mr. Pence and their families and the people in the audience and to deliver them from the hands of such an attack. I mean, we've talked about this, you and I and your dad, um, in the months before. You know, uh, would we get to this point and the inauguration actually take place before well, like World War Three starts or, uh, you know, in, in the Middle East or wherever, and uh, America now might be, you know, uh, uh, militarily involved with China or um, with um, uh, the Middle East situation with Russia. I mean, they're just... There, there's so many possibilities that, you know, I don't know what to say, uh, except I hope that we get through it with nothing happening. And it may be, um, you know, that... Um, We'll, it, we'll see that the liberals, uh, you know, that would be the protesters, will not come out because it's too cold or whatever, and they would rather probably just make noises and, uh, you know, uh, do nothing yeah. just to put the, the scare into people so that they, they don't. When I was uh, talking to Todd here, you know, uh, the board ops here, he said the same thing. He said, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll, they'll just... Uh, be too lazy to come out and do anything. They'll just sit around and whine about it, and then we'll get over it. And I hope he's right. I do. Yeah, just to give you my take on things, um, I think uh, with the inauguration, I don't think we're going to see much of of what's going on. I think it's going to be on the 
outskirts of the inauguration with all the security police and different secret service and other agencies there i just think it's um the the left is not going to go over it like they expect it to and i think um with the United States historically wanting to uh, continue to appear strong with the transition of, of power from one president to the other, uh, that it should go off without, uh, you know, too many issues, at least the inauguration. Now, what happens after the inauguration, I think that's where we get into um, what what this article talks about, about a potential for a huge conflict. In, in your time uh, paying attention to politics and, and seeing the number of inaugurations, have you ever seen this much? Um, oh, the Lord, no. No, no, no. Okay. So no, we no, reached a new level of hysteria. And, this and, and is divide. the end of the peaceful United States. It's like the North-South Civil War separation, except we're, we're separated on not only like, uh, not on slavery issues, but like on financial uh, standings, like um, uh, the eastern states and the Californians versus the, the Middle West and uh, the West here. Uh, white against uh, black, uh, black against Puerto Ricans. Uh, you know, there are just so many fa- uh, is, uh, uh, Muslims against Christians and Jews. We've got so many tugs on our uh, community at the moment that we didn't need all this extra stuff, uh, you know, from the current administration and the people supporting him. Um, and with, with uh, Obama, I mean, goodness gracious, another $500 million over to this Save the Earth Fund or whatever it is, and, and that's only uh, raised up to a billion of what he's promised to give them uh, out of the three million that they, the three billion they wanted. He's just doing these last-minute terrible acts, you know. Uh, you know, like getting rid of uh, giving pardons to people that should never be pardoned, and uh, oh, you know, Somali's uh, protection, and uh, it, it, it's 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 madness. He's just trying to cause trouble. Yeah, and it and, will. Uh, it will happen. I've seen interviews with, uh, I think Mike Huckabee was one of them, um, who was very critical of Obama, talking about how it's beneath the president to to enact these kind of policy changes. And Obama, one thing he did last week was expand the power of the NSA and the surveillance um, of American citizens, and, and allowing, uh, I think, seventeen different agencies the uh, what the NSA collects without redacting or retracting information that's non-relevant to what they're looking for and he did it in a way that Donald Trump when he becomes president can't even um, walk it back he would have to Is that right? Yeah, he would have to um, get the he would have to pass a new law through Congress the Senate uh, to change it and it's um they say it's the most you know one of the biggest intrusions on another big intrusion on American privacy because what they used to do if they, the agencies would ask the NSA for information on a certain person, whether it's phone calls, emails, and texts, and they would take out the non-relevant information. Or, um, but now there, there's no, uh, you know, they can ask for blocks of information, and the NSA will give it to them without redacting anything, uh, leaving innocent people who are affiliated with certain people to get uh, their information caught up with the NSA and different intelligence agencies. And all this is being done without needing warrants. So um, they said it was one of the most expansive surveillance issues that they've seen and Obama is appointing people like you say pardons are something that comes with it seems uh, the presidency at the end of a term uh, before leaving office historically many of the presidents have issued pardons for people who have already been found guilty of crimes or those who uh, were yet waiting uh, to be charged and there is a lot going on the executive orders 
and, and he is um, doing something that uh, many people think are unprofessional and beneath the office, office of the President of the United States. Of course they are. Of course they are. I just, uh, I, yeah, I, I can't believe we're actually witnessing this. I mean, I've talked about it coming, eventually, that America would be torn apart by civil war. But that was kind of off in the future sometime, and the future is now. Yeah, we're, well, the, we're seeing the, the, the death throes, I think. Yeah, the divide has never been been stronger, and the I mean, we see out of the the left, the the amount of media bias, the amount of uh, first of all, the collective organization of these left wing, um, and they're socialist, communist, uh, all these, and the money behind it, the organization that they have is it's pretty alarming, and then. What people were criticized for when Obama took office is, you know, the, the buying storable food, guns, and ammunition. We're now seeing out of the left to some degree, uh, as I just read an article a few hours ago that talked about the the rise in uh, the left and, and their base that's prepping with guns and storable food and water because what they fear is what the media is trying to been, be selling them is that you know, Trump is this big totalitarian dictator who's going to come in and you know take everybody's rights away and, and turn everything upside down. And what's interesting about this time, the media is complicit in creating this false image of Trump, at least compared to what he's done historically and what he you know has what he's done since he's been the president elect. It, it's it's night and day. The media is just making stuff up and putting it out there, and people are are eating it up. And are becoming afraid and um, based well, on, know, on that, information that's not true. That's counterintuitive. Isn't it? That the left would be, you know, uh, stockpiling food and weapons and stuff, and but it's it's going to be painful. I mean, if they're doing it, they're probably going to try it. I think George Soros is sitting over somewhere in a little private place, just laughing his backside off. You know, it's a it's a typical Soros plan to divide and conquer. Absolutely, and and he's one of the uh, major uh, funders of the divide and conquer strategy, and has been, and is continuing to put his money where his mouth is. And we were talking about earlier, you know, um, all these efforts, all these through all these NGOs that are being funneled with George Soros money, um, and all their plans to disrupt Donald Trump, to create chaos in, inside uh, this Trump presidency, to even the extreme, like you mentioned. Rosie O'Donnell calling for martial law. I mean, these people are calling for the the tactics and oppressive government that they are apparently so afraid of of Donald Trump bringing. And it's just um, it makes my brain bleed to an extent when you see people like this warning about a, a fascist, totalitarian Trump administration, yet at the same time calling for the government to throw away the Constitution and bring the military in. Uh, to stop him before he's even done anything as to close to what they're accusing him of doing. It is mind-boggling, and it is confusing, and it is frustrating. Well, I hope we get through this week with everything going to plan and peacefully so that he can try to at least remove some of those NGOs or whatever and, uh, you know, all the other stuff he's done so that, that Trump can, can back some of that off. That that NSA thing, though, is a worry. That will take longer, but um, I'm sure he'll have a look at that. It could turn around also and bite him in the backside that, that uh, he could uh, use NSA to spy on the, the left wing as well. 
yeah, a lot of the um, things are going to turn around and bite them, I think. While we're talking about Trump, is there anything that you think he will do in the first 100, 100 days that will be um, that will make big impacts for either the economy? Um, we've seen a lot of things coming down from the Trump transition team and administration, like the um, wanting to get rid of just mainstream media in the White House press corps, wanting to invite uh, other alternative journalists in there and uh, broaden the scope of, of journalism in the White House. Uh, the talk against trade deals. Is there anything that sticks out to you that he, you think he should do in the first 100 days? Well, yeah, certainly um, they're already starting to do it. The, the House and the Senate are you know, looking at the Obamacare, repealing it and replacing it with something on the same day. That's going to be mighty, and that will be a stimulus to the economy. Um, the the press corps, uh, I think he's going to have to have a press secretary and uh, press briefings. But opening it up to the um, alternate media, you know, news media, uh, you know, like like we do here on, on Blog Talk and that kind of stuff, uh, I think that will be a smart move. And I think he's going to have to get off to the uh, tweeting business because it's too hackable. And uh, so he'll have to get the news out through his uh, his uh, press secretary. And, but I think they should take it out of the White House. I think they should have another venue, as they're talking about, which is uh, safer and cleverer. And... Um, I think that'll be one of the first things to do. Now, the other thing is he's got to manage some problems with China and with uh, Russia. Uh, he said some things, of course. Uh, he appointed um, uh, Tillerson to um, uh, deal with China's situation in the South China Sea, and uh, that uh, that situation is uh, very volatile because you know that they've been building islands over in the South China Sea, and so... Uh, Beijing uh, is not happy, and uh, the, the Global mm-hmm. Times did an editorial and say, prepare for a military clash. Well, now, Trump is going to have to uh, face that. Um, uh, and his dealings with Taiwan is upsetting China yeah. also. And yeah, moving, China's yeah, yeah. moving in two different directions. Uh, the president of China today was speaking at uh, the Davos, the uh, what's going on in Davos, and it seems... I mean, he gave a very strong message about where globalism is and, and where it's going and basically demonized nationalism and um, made some interesting references to um, the future. So we have, a, and many people said, you know, he stepped up to, to be the globalist leader, uh, you know, this next generation. And so there is a huge, there are huge discrepancies between the U.S. and China but we also see a lot of saber rattling from China, and they've been doing this for a few years now with the disputed islands in the South China Sea and other issues. So, I mean, I do believe that there is a huge conflict with China that's in the future. I guess it's just a question of when. And with a Trump presidency and the rhetoric that we've seen from China and the Chinese leadership, it seems like they're testing the waters to see you know, what Trump does if he reacts to their threats. It's all academic until he gets into office. That, mm-hmm. That's going to be the proof of the pudding. Uh, you know, it's odd that the, the leader in China there is you know, talking about this Davos situation because we're looking at a global reset of the economy. We're looking at the U.S. dollar tanking at uh, possibly a, a deflationary thing that will hit the economy just uh, horribly. But at the same time, you see uh, Trump's um, advance warning to major corporations, not only U.S. corporations but others, that if they want to uh, 
toward uh, spreading the wealth a bit and bringing the economy back into line if he can pull it off. But China is, is, is counterproductive. If they hold so much U.S. dollars and uh, assets and stuff, it's going to devalue them too if we go to this global currency. And one of the things I've got up there on the uh, show images page at the top left, number uh, image 22, shows a bunch of $100 bills on the table and the guys counting them and everything. But, um, you know, they're talking about getting rid of $100 bills in our U.S. $100 bills. Okay, well, um, that means uh, they're saying ostensibly that they're doing that because, well, look at the illegal trade and, you know, prostitution, drugs and whatever. $100 notes are the currency because it's it's compact and you can carry a lot of money in a briefcase. So we'll make them have to carry five times as much if they can only use $20 bills or half as much as $50 bills. And there are experts on both sides of the equation saying, well, if we uh, do go to this new uh, types of, you know, what, what currency is legitimate and the dollar devalues and the stock market tanks, well, then gold will only be good for so long because they'll come in and they'll they'll restrict what you can convert or use that unless you go to to digital cash. Uh, this is all that Davos event. You know, the people going there are arguing for getting rid of currency entirely. They're going to the cashless society globally. And we've talked about this, you and I and many others, since, oh gosh, uh, the um, mid-70s, 1970s knowing that they're pushing for that. And here we are at the moment where it's just all coming together, where you're going to have to have a number to even, you know, buy and sell. Um, I don't know that that in the initial stage will be uh, the mark of the beast where, you know, you're having to give your loyalty to, to um, you know, some world dictator or computer or whatever they set it up. But um, if they start wanting to put this on your body, um, it's time to rethink what what's happening. I mean... We're getting... You're right. The, the digital currency is, in my opinion, is the next big step, the main step for bringing in this beast system. Because at that point, we lose all control of um, our financial situation. We might have to be subjected and agree to certain things in order to be part of the digital currency. And this has been, you know, a long-reaching goal. And even looking at Bible prophecy, you can't have a mark of the beast system without having that control and organization to implement it. And by taking away cash, that sets up the perfect opportunity for them to say, well, you have to do this or take this uh, if you want to be part of this economy and society. And that is exactly what they're laying the groundwork to do. Last week, there was an interesting article that talked about uh, a well-kept open secret. Washington is behind India's brutal experimentation of abolishing cash. And it talks about how um, in India, a country of 1.2 billion people, how cash was banned and how Washington uh, was behind it. And how um, they had this was almost like a beta test uh, abolishing over 80% of circulating cash by value in India and then taking the cash away. Um, This was part of Obama's declaration of the strategic partnership with India um, and part of his foreign policy. And when you see that the U.S. government was behind the development of this U.S. aid negotiation and agreement that took the cash out of India, you can see the larger picture here of the next step moving to digital payments and doing so not only in the Western world, not only here in America, but globally. And at that point, we lose all control of 
what we what we can do. And that's It'd be interesting to see more details of that Indian experiment or whatever you want to call that event, because the Indians say again. I'll email this article to you. Uh, so you yeah, can... I did uh, run across the uh, the headline. I just didn't follow it up uh, earlier okay. today. But, um, uh, yeah, send me that link. Um, the thing is, the Indians, they they uh, they really like gold and jewels and trinkets and stuff. It's an integral part of their economy. So if you take the cash away, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in trying to negotiate with um, metals, you know, um, to buy and sell things if that's going to be outlawed and people are going to be called criminals of that for doing that or something I don't know um, did you see um, Madam Secretary that TV show um, where a woman is the like a, I've the, seen the the, uh, the previews of the Leona, actual yeah. show but I won't I won't watch that it just it just smells like it looks like Hillary Clinton um, it does, and 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 we've uh, just about had enough of it. We used to to watch it, um, you know, to see what was going on and what they were trying to put down our throat about, you know, their viewpoints. And you know, each week it got worse and worse. And this last week, we saw a news article, so we we watched it closely because the news article said they were going to um, uh, go after a guy that was an extreme Christian fundamentalist, uh, talking about the rapture and stuff, and how he was making bombs to sell to ISIS. I mean. <laughs> Duh, boy, is that bad or what? <laughs> yeah, oh, talk about uh, um, predictive programming. We're trying to to set. I don't think um, you'd ever see a, a real Christian uh, doing anything with ISIS. I mean, people just the name association alone will scare people. Um, and think, and think that, that they're they're creating this stuff to. I mean, it's uh, you know, we talked about in the last hour with uh, our guest uh, Leo Holman how um, the Fort Lauderdale airport shooter was labeled as a veteran and uh, you know an American and, and who did this because he had PTSD. But in the reality, there was a lot more going on behind the scenes, and his motives were not as the news made them appear to be. And we we keep, continue to see this. This and this is one thing that really bothers me. But at least it's being put out in the open now is the mainstream media and the media's willingness to lie, to cheat, to steal, to mislead, uh, deceive. It's so blatant now, more so than any time I've ever seen. And it seems that they continue to get away from it. There's, I mean, and the government's behind it. And it's just so aggravating to see, uh, even if one person believes their lies, because um, I know not that many people are watching anymore, but it, it's just very frustrating. It is. It is. It, it's just all around us. And Hollywood, you know, makes movies and TV serials um, uh, and stuff that we watch conditioning us. And uh, obviously they were all in the liberal camp here. Uh, think about it. Actors are people who lie for a living. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they try to convince you there's someone else instead of themselves, right? And so they're the best liars in the country when they make, you know, stardom. Uh, look at Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah, I, I saw this on your site. I don't know what's behind this. Well, uh, I uh, Freeman's over in Israel, and he was filming uh, uh, one of the episodes for his new um, uh, series of Death in the Afterlife, uh, looking through the lens of several different religions, right? And um, he uh, he was over in one place there in Israel. I'm not sure what the... Uh, I think it was... Um, in Jerusalem somewhere, and uh, the name of that particular episode is the story of God in Jerusalem. 
and uh, he uh, was there, gosh, um, I think he was uh, one of them is Smith here, okay, yeah. okay, he was, when he was in Israel at the filming, he said something in one of the, the high religious places in, in uh, Israel's opinion uh, about God, he said uh, the word myth. And uh, they kicked him out of the area where they were filming because he was in a place where you do not say that kind of thing. There's no such thing as the myth of God or, you know, myth of Judaism or Christianity. Morgan Freeman, if you've watched him, he's certainly gone dark, um, you know, it's yeah. over years. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I, I meant that figuratively, of course. <clears throat> <laughs> That's but funny. no, you're right. Yeah. He's done a lot of shows from, um, you know, origins. Of, I don't know if the origins of the universe is one of them, but he's a, he narrates a lot of um, things about evolution on the History Channel. You know, uh, through the Looking Glass or something like yeah. that. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, he's definitely been on on the other end, uh, feeding the the fire of New Age and and Earth worship and things like that. Um, but it's interesting to see he was removed for saying the word myth in a holy place that's pretty interesting I wonder if they're going to put that in the show um, to let you know so people understand that um, this is serious stuff and you can't just go into somebody else's country and, and holy place and, and start throwing around you know it's different in other countries and we see that uh, with this story about Morgan Freeman folks you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report our guest is Stan Dale go to his website standale.com and bookmark it and if you get a chance, go to the show images page. When we come back, Stan, I want to we'll get into some of the stuff about what's happening with Israel and the U.S. and the U.N., uh, the Paris Peace Summit, as well as um, I like the, this NASA article has got me very curious uh, about a ten quadrillion dollar mission. But when we come back, we're going to continue with Stan Dale right after this. We are in our final segment, and we are joined with, by Stan Dale from standale.com. And, folks, bookmark his website and check out his books and Holly's books, as well as uh, the news they put on there every day and the show images page you can use to navigate through stories that we're talking about when Stan joins us each and every Tuesday in the third hour. If we can, Stan, let's, uh, let's talk about what's happening uh, with Israel uh, there's been a lot of talk about the potential for a two-state solution from the Paris um, Peace Summit, and that did not go through. Um, do you think there were... We've seen the uh, Trump administration and Trump himself taking a, a more firm stand with Israel as far as um, them being our ally and not doing some of the things we've seen the Obama administration do. 
Uh, what, how do you think the relations between the U.S. and Israel will be with the Trump administration? I think they'll be a lot better than we've had for the last eight years. Um, one of the things that stands out about uh, Mr. Trump and his business dealings is that he tells you the art of the deal. He's the mm-hmm. negotiator. You give and a take. Now, with the situation in Israel, um, right now, the Likud party, uh, kind of left-wingish, um, the, the member of the Knesset is Yoav Kish, and he's put out a radical plan. I'll put that there, the link on the, the uh, top row middle picture there, where you see his plan uh, to formally revoke the Oslo Accords, which uh, asked for a seven years, you know, try it and see type period to split Israel and uh, give it, you know, part of it to the Palestinians. What he is proposing is a type of dividing the country without giving the Palestinians a sovereign nation. He's saying, let them have the West Bank, that's 39% of the land we'll give them, but they can rule it and run it autonomously, but not as a sovereign entity, um, which is kind of dancing around the the letter or the spirit of don't divide uh, my land, my people. Um, With that in play, then, uh, you know, Mr. Trump may be forced in the negotiation to allow something like that. I hope he isn't forced to do that, because we know as sure as shooting, if we allow or help Israel to be divided for any reason, America's going to be divided, and I don't know whether that's going to be divided like civil war conflict. I mean, the Palestinians and and the Israelis are like that already. You know, they're at a civil war between each other. And if we uh, augment that by giving uh, land to them and, and separating, you know, a chunk of Israel off, however you call it, we're looking at the same thing happening to us in that we're going to have civil strife here. Um, and definitely the left wing in this country is not in favor of God, Jesus, the Bible, the, the Israel, the Jews, or anything. And so we, we draw that line, and we have that thing happen here. And if if we do hurt Israel that way, I can expect that within weeks or days even that it will happen to us and God will punish us for that. But I hope Mr. Trump doesn't get trapped into doing something like that. I don't think he would like to. Uh, so my 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 gut feeling is that he will be a good president, a good friend to uh, the uh, Israelis, uh, particularly to Netanyahu. They seem to get along just famously. And let's face yeah. it, Israel needs help. Yeah, and, and you know, the scripture says, and we don't know if it's going to happen, you know, in the next presidential term, in the next ten years, or, or beyond. But it, it does say that at some point, all nations will be against Israel. And if America is a nation, then it is going to uh, be a part of that. Um, and, and as you said earlier, the Trump, the art of the deal—that's one of the things that early on, when he was uh, running in the primaries and, and got the nomination, that we talked about. Uh, it, when you think about it, what better person to broker some kind of deal than a man who who uh, promotes himself as you know uh, one of the best deal makers in in the world? So that's something that we definitely have to keep our eye on. And I do agree that um, our nation will be affected in a very negative way, a, a way that I don't think we can even comprehend right now. If we get involved and continue to push for a two-state solution. And what uh, the article on, on the website top middle column uh, 
what you said earlier was was right on the money. They're just uh, using language as a way to try to uh, get around using the term two states uh, solution by what what the article proposes. Um, it's basically a two state solution without recognizing Palestine as a state, but I guess by default it would still be one. So, um, and you have another article on your site about Israel and the direction of uh, the nature of the politics over there about um, Israel wants to continue with a more conservative type leader, more so than uh, the left wing. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I forget uh, which, uh, let me just see which one that is. That's, uh, yeah, that's image 18. Um, yeah, they took a poll uh, in Israel to find out um, who wants, you know, left of center prime minister. Do they want the Likud, you know, to come in and they want? do they want to move out uh, Netanyahu or whatever? Only 4% of them voted, yeah, we want a left of center prime minister. And, you know, that's not just in Israel. The political left, it says, is in full retreat across most of the world. I mean, you mm-hmm. had Brexit, and, you, and, you, and you've got, uh, you know, the, the Trump groundswell here, the uh, the uh, swing to the right, if you wish. And um, 33 of the 50 states we've got are governed by Republicans, you know, swinging to the right. And the whole world seems to be moving that way, uh, you know, which... You know, that's the way we probably need to go, but this is going to be creating strife, and that's where Satan really excels, is managing chaos to go where he wants to. But Israel is definitely trying to be uh, right-wing, is trying to uh, follow, you know, a lot of them are trying to follow the biblical imperatives in the Torah, in the Bible, and I think, hopefully, Mr. Trump will get really involved in that, and really get close to the Lord himself. Uh, they say that that uh, there's an old prophecy, gosh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, where they said that uh, the, Trump, uh, the Trump would sound, and uh, they're talking about a leader that would, a president would come here and be a trumpet for the Lord, and would actually be a praying president, and I would like to see that. I, I just really would. I think most people uh, at this point in our country, and the way it's been going, would like to see would like to see that because it's such a big change from the way things were and the, and the, the institutions and people who use power um, to oppress and to um, just destroy. And, and it would be a, a, an excellent change. And this is something we've been talking about on the show is the the atmosphere um, that's being created, the, the continued divide with the Trump administration and the backlash that the left is put, pushing towards it. But you mentioned the the more uh, populist and nationalist movement that's that's happening all across the world where Brexit and a number of other um, uh, countries are looking to get rid of uh, the status quo, the regular politicians that, that are coming in, coming in and stealing from them and, and oppressing them and saying they're doing it for their, their own good. Um, and, and we see this, this move towards populism. And there seems to be a fight between nationalism and globalism or populism and authoritarianism and it's really interesting to see where this will go some people think it's all contrived and it's all uh, you know a show being put on to continue to manipulate people and others believe that Trump is uh, created an opportunity where uh, people have been granted a, a reprieve if you will um, 
and I think if we get too much in that mindset, that's dangerous also because um, when we saw what happened with Obama when he was put in office, people thought he was you know the, their savior and everything was going to be great from there on in. And I see the same kind of attitude coming from some people on the right with Trump, where yeah. they think they can put their feet up and, and relax and everything's going to go well, and that creates an atmosphere uh, ripe for um, corruption. So that I mean, yeah. that's, I'm kind of. Remaining you know, a little pessimistic with Trump. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, one man just cannot come in and undo all the infrastructure that these left-wingers have put into play. I mean, over in Israel, they've got a very complicated setup uh, with their political parties, but uh, several of them, not just two. The Likud is uh, center to right wing, and that's, you know, uh, is the chairman of that. But they, uh, more of the other parties are moving, uh, I think I misspoke a while ago, but more of the parties are moving toward the Likud than, you know, uh, any of the Likud going left is what I meant to say. But anyway, we've got that problem here. And uh, I've thought to myself, just daydreaming, if I were president, you know, and uh, wanted to straighten this mess out, good Lord, what a problem it would be. You've got the economy, you've got the the, the uh, share market, you've got the deflation or inflation and deflation of the U.S. dollar, however it's going to go. You've got uh, religious factions fighting. You've got a threat of war with China, a threat of war with Russia. Korea's trying to launch a missile at us. You know, Middle East and Syria involvement and got to protect Israel. And the, You know, everybody is in a mess, and I don't know how one human being can really reverse the trend at the moment. Uh, they, you know, they can slow it down. But um, I'm afraid that it's going to take the good Lord coming back to sort this planet out. Yeah, I believe you're right. And, you know, when you list all the, these problems and you see these things going on, it makes you wonder who would want to take that job, um, even if they had a good heart and were uh, trying to change things for good. It's almost like um, what do they compare it to the, the war on drugs where they say there's an ocean full of drugs and you're shoveling it, trying to shovel it out with a teaspoon. There's just so many problems, and it's almost like where do you start and how can we get this back on track? But it does start with one person, one action, uh, you know, doing the right thing, and that can morph into something that uh, could give us. Uh, Would I just take a step back? What you're telling me, what we're saying to each other here is who can bring us peace and safety? Who can fix the world? Or stabilize it not time? to a degree, yeah. That's what we're doing. We need to bring peace and calm to the world, you know. Now, between this step and a world government, I think that Israel is probably going to be attacked, and Israel will use some nuke devices, and the world's nations will, will say, look, okay, what do you want? Let's, let's not have a nuclear war. Let's stop this. And that's why Israel will be hated, but there will be a peace treaty signed with the nations, with the many nations around them. Um but that will then be followed by this global government. Does that happen in the next few months? It's possible. Um, this would be a prime time if other major powers wanted to um, start a, a thing to take it down in Israel and the United States. When we're in a change of government, when everything is in flux at the moment and not stable, everybody's got new positions and trying to clean up the mess that was left to them, this would be a perfect time to hit and, uh, you know, harm America and then Israel. But Israel's probably going to end up saying, right, okay, you've taken America off the thing, or you've heard America, or America's in civil strife, whatever, we'll use the nukes on you, and they'll do it. Um, 
and that's why people will fear them. That's why people all over the world will hate them because they'll say, "Well, you should have done that." But what other, what other choice have they got? I mean, if we yeah, can't right. stand beside them, what, what other choices would they have? Uh, and that's that's, it. that's the question. Um, they need to turn back to the good Lord. But uh, the state of Israel, not the house of Israel, but the state of Israel, the nation, is controlled by a body of men and women, and not all of them are. Um, uh, Orthodox uh, and and you know kind of Bible believers. Uh, there are a lot of very worldly people involved in the ruling uh, running of Israel, the country. So I pray for the House of Israel, wherever they are on the planet, for their safety and protection, uh, as much as I pray for a protection for the nation of Israel. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is not a road we we have to go down tonight, but um, this is something that has come up in the last few shows. Um, you know the difference between that the the Jewish religion and the state of Israel and the the government of Israel versus the people of Israel, and you really have two uh, religions there. You have the people who practice the Kabbalah versus the um, the people who believe in the, in the Torah, and it's um, it's there's a lot of confusion about what's going on with Israel and, and um, how America should perceive it and, and what we should do as a country. Um, because you have a lot of, of people who, who hate Israel and blame them for everything, and then you have people who are Christians and who believe it's their duty to to um, pray and support Israel, pray for Israel and support Israel. But there is a lot of confusion and, and gray lines in between uh, those two uh, factions. So we can get into that on another day. I want to, we have what, about 13 minutes left. You have a story, uh, number 24. NASA is sending a mission to a metal asteroid worth $10 quadrillion. Now, I saw this story a few days ago, and I saw it on your site today, and I misread it. I thought the mission was worth <laughs> $10 quadrillion, and I'm sitting here scratching my head talking with Eric saying, how can they even uh, talk about doing something? So, yeah, and he pointed out to me that, it's, no, that's not the, how much the mission costs. That's what the asteroid apparently is worth. For oh, that's only research. that's only the iron. That's only the iron on this dead core of a planetoid. It's a 130 so mile diameter thinking? asteroid, but it was it was a, a like a like a small planet. But it's a the, the core of it is there. The outer mantle and stuff has been uh, blasted off of it by a solar event some time back that stripped off its mantle and just left the solid iron, uh, nickel, copper, gold, and platinum core. I mean, just the iron alone is worth ten. With 18 zeros behind it in U.S. dollars current value, so you know it'll be—it's the only one of these things in our solar system uh, that exists. You know where we can actually look at the core of a, uh, a planetoid, a small planetoid like a moon. That uh, you know the outside has been stripped off, so we can get down to the goody, which you know is the stuff that uh, that uh, cooled and formed the interior of this thing before it was swept off. Uh, you know the the outer layer was swept off. So, you know, people tease, you know, NASA, there's a lot of jokes about them, um, how much of the federal budget is their waste and stuff, but they're talking about a financial deal where we can, we've done this before, we've put out, you know, NASA's put out satellites that have gone out and landed on asteroids and uh, quite successfully. So now they're talking about methods of mining this stuff and bringing it back. Uh, Lord only knows how they'll get that down to the surface of the planet. Uh, you know, without a lot of trouble. I mean, how are they going to mine it and get it down unless they use one of those uh, 
fixed elevator systems are talking about where you have an elevator going from the surface up to weightless up there and they'd put iron ore and nickel and stuff in that and then drop it on down. There's pros and cons to that kind of a system, but anyway, that's one way they might do it. Excuse me. But anyway, I just thought it was quite quite an interesting thing. If you you, um, go to the... uh, uh, side here. I'm just getting it. Just a second. If you uh, look at the show images thing, if you click on the actual image of the asteroid with the, the, the little uh, uh, satellite uh, doing a flyover, it's an animation, but uh, you click on that and it'll take you to a YouTube show and you can see how big this thing is and uh, how rich it is. Um, um, it, it's a practical application, uh, probably more practical than sending somebody to Mars right now. This is really good as far as the economy. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Speaking yeah. of the core of the asteroid, you have another article here um, about the Earth's core, scientists closer to solving mystery of Earth's core. And in the article, um, and I'm not a scientist, but what stuck out to me was uh, they think 5% of the Earth's core is made of silicone. Yeah. Yeah. Is that normal? I mean, is that was that expected? Well, is that a surprise? Well, it's metal. Um, you know, personally, I think they still don't understand the architecture of the Earth's core. Um, I haven't published my paper on this yet, but gravity is mm, uh, gravity is the result of. Uh, uh, spinning vortices in the fluid of space, which I think they probably call dark energy now. But where they have in that picture, if you go to the pictures in the article there, um, the lower mantle is kind of a light pink, and the outer core is a light orange, and of course down into the uh, the core itself is 6,000 degrees centigrade, and that's the reddish orange. Now, I think there are voids, there are empty shells up closer to the mantle, uh, which form as a result of these spinning vortices that collide with each other, and they are what organize all the mass of the Earth into this spherical shape, uh, and any other planet for that matter, and stars, uh, it's like in galaxies as well. But in this planet, our planet, um, these these spinning waves contract like spinning a glass of water, stirring a glass of water when you've got sand and and uh, uh, and uh, pepper in there, okay? Uh, you put a spoonful of, of sand, a spoonful of pepper, and stir it up, and you'll see that the spinning waves reflect off of the outer edge of the glass and up up the edge of the glass and back down into the middle, and they form these convection spirals. And that's like half, the top half of a planet. It organizes the heavier metals into the center of the vortex, but it also creates, under certain circumstances, at speeds, it creates uh, null voids uh, where there's no mass. It's just an empty void, uh, a shell. And so, and I'm not saying the Earth is totally hollow, but there are some empty shells up close to the surface, um, which might uh, give credence to the legends of inner Earth dwellers or might be where uh, the demonic spirits and, uh, you know, hell is and where people are held or beings are held prisoner by God inside the planet. I mean... The inside of a ball is, you know, um, a bottomless pit, isn't it? There is no mm-hmm. bottom. That's right. So uh, this struck me as I uh, more the this, the uh, 
think about this. If the Earth was 25% smaller uh, before the uh, Pangaea breakup, before the, the 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 Earth was split, you know, the time of Peleg where the continents drifted apart, if the Earth was 25% smaller in diameter, its gravity would have been uh, more concentrated. The acceleration due to gravity at the surface would have been more concentrated because all the mass we've got on the planet now would have been crunched down to three-quarters of what it is now. So it would have been a stronger gravitational field then. Now, yeah. we've expanded, so uh, there's got to be more space left in there once we've expanded. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and you've talked about this before, and I, it's not hard to wrap my mind around, but I, in a way it is. Um, and obviously the Earth is, you know, uh, contracting, expanding. Um, at the same time, you know, I, you just wonder because they, the way that science puts it, which needs to be taken with a grain of salt in my opinion, is that, um, you know, the Earth was the shape it was and uh, the only thing that's changing is, is where the, the bodies of landmass are on the crust. And it's hard to, to think about just a short time. And, you know, this happens over millions and millions and millions of years, not tens of thousands or thousands of years. But at the same time, I understand that, I mean, I understand that God created not only the earth but the universe and, you know, he has, uh, he, he has perfect creation. And um, part of that, a lot of those the parts of his creation are unknown to us and will be unknown to us until uh, a time when it is revealed to those um, who he will reveal it to. So it's hard to sometimes yeah. think about, you know, an earth that's 25% smaller or how that would look. But at the same time, I, I mean, the evidence is all across the globe. And you see how the continents used to be connected, how they've separated, and through the tectonic plates, how things continue to move. You know, look, there's there's a huge argument, uh, two sides of the scientific community, about, um, you know, tectonic plate uh, drift versus a catastrophic expansion of the planet. But they all look at the Atlantic Ridge. You know, it's 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 stretched, and as you mm-hmm. say, the coastlines fit. But they only fit perfectly if you reduce the diameter of the Earth by 22 to 25 percent. Then they'll flatten out a bit, and the, the, there won't be that little orange slice uh, void between the coastlines of uh, North America and Europe or wherever, or South America and Africa. It, they will only fit together if you reduce the diameter of the planet. And, you know, the thing that caused the flood was a at least one huge, huge asteroid impact on the east coast of India, which started the process that a few years later made the whole landmass split and, and the planet just start to expand like a balloon and stretch and pull apart the landmasses. Now, the fact that we've slowed down to a few inches per year, let's say with the North American, uh, you know, tectonic plate drift toward uh, the China or Japan or whatever, that's just the end of a catastrophic thing that's been slowing down, you know, exponentially since it happened a few thousand years ago, not a hundred million years ago. And until we correct the scientific mind about the age of the universe and, and the speed of light, which determines how we, we measure that, until they correct that, there's not going to be a consensus. We're not going to get the scientific mind to join the biblical mind, the God-believing people's mind about the Bible. But the evidence is there. We cannot get away from that. And once they do, they will understand a lot more. Look, I've got pictures 10 through 15 are of the South Pole Antarctic base that they're, uh, they're having to evacuate because that whole ice shelf is splitting off. 
and you got to go down to image 12 and click on the text below and it will take you to a YouTube video of a drone that they flew over this I think it's 75 mile long crack that's opening up and going to just dump all that in the sea and uh, you'll see that this is an impressive crack in the ice there why is that happening now why is that whole um, area you know, um, chasm one, chasm two, that, that new site. Why is that all splitting off now? Is it a normal process to have that much split off, or is something else happening in the Earth architecture at the moment? Um, if all these historic events we're talking about, like the, you know, the the, the great flood, uh, the asteroid impact, uh, the Pangea split, if this actually all happened within, say, the last 10,000 or less years, then we should expect some drastic changes now. It's not going to stop just because we're, you know, it. The big ones happened ten thousand years ago. There are other big things about to happen. So yeah, this kind of tells you time right. Especially if the timeline is is drastically shortened, uh, as you just described. Um, and what's unfortunate today is uh, science and the Bible do go together, but not the science we see being practiced today um, in, in many aspects. Um, but if, if you look hard enough, you will find um, the the connections. And uh, also, we only have like a minute left, but um, reading Francis Bacon, The New Atlantis, and uh, other stories about Atlantis and, and the philosophers, they talked about how, you know, the Atlantic Ocean, at some point in time, it was impassable. There was, um, you know, mud and, and just rough seas, and people could not cross until a certain time, then they started to cross. And, and you take that into consideration, too, um, with what you talked about, the changes that happened not in the near, that just happened in the near past rather than 100 million years ago, 50 million years ago. Uh, you can get a, a clearer picture that starts to emerge, um, and, and you take in the book of Enoch and what it says about the fallen angels and not only violating human women, but the, the beasts and the animals, and uh, you know that kind of opens the door to dinosaurs. That I think was, things are a lot different than they're presented, as you said. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and look, that all happened in Atlantis, you know, the... Uh, the Crossbreeding between the off-worlders or fallen ones and our women and with the animals, the Egyptian records even reference, uh, reference that. You know where you have, you know, a, a, a fox head or something on a, mm-hmm. a human body or you know that kind of stuff. Um, it it did happen and it did not happen gazillions of years ago. It is in in modern times. When I found Atlantis was Saudi Arabia, that peninsula there, it tied the flood and Noah and the people he was with who were all of bad genetic blood. It tied it all together. That was what they were talking about, uh, that uh, God destroyed the flesh there because of the the Atlanteans and, and their, their their compadres over in Central America and whatever and various other places they had bases were doing. Yeah. It was wrong. Stan, we've uh, we've reached the very end of the episode. I want to thank you for coming on uh, with us tonight and look forward to, to having you on next week. Uh, God bless and have a good night. God bless you. Night-night. That'll do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening.